The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. What's up, everybody? This is the 100. Can you believe we've done 100 of these True Crime Binge episodes? Well, I haven't done 100. I've done about 55. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the show really went downhill after you came on board. It was much better. Yeah, everybody's saying that last 50 is kind of rough. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is 100, and and this marks just over a year that Erica has been with the show, creeping in the background. Um, (laughs) Erica, why don't you tell everybody what it is? Because people know that you're on the show and that you're in the background and that I pick on you and you're muted and you can't. You can't defend yourself, but you do a lot more than just that. Tell everybody what your actual role as production manager is, all the stuff that you do for the show. Um, I mean, you put it the best the first time you introduced me a year ago. I do everything so that all you have to do is sit down and talk. So <laughs> that sings that exactly pretty right. true. Uh, yeah, to, to this day. So, yeah, I do. You know, I do the... Um, I write some notes for Bob before every interview, just so he has kind of something to work off of for questions and to talk about the case. I schedule most of the interviews, reach out to people for that. Um, I write the episode descriptions. So please don't go back and read all of those now. (laughs) (laughs) They're not exciting. Um, But yeah, that's basically it. And you sit in through every single interview which was yes. not, I never expected you to do that, but you like. I know, and you're probably regret offering now. No, I love it because our show <laughs> notes are amazing because you actually write show notes from being in the interview. Yeah. Except for, I yeah. think, the one of the ones which you really wanted to be on was the one time that you had an issue and couldn't be on. And that was just a couple of weeks ago with Chris Hansen. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was grateful to be there for the beginning of it, at least. So I got to meet him and talk to him, which was great. And he's such a nice guy. Um, but yeah, and then I was, I was on my way. Was I on my way to Michigan that time I was driving Well, I was passengering on mm-hmm. the way to somewhere and, uh, we went through a, a dead spot and I, I lost it, but I didn't want to interfere by trying to jump back in. So yes. I, th- I missed most of that interview, but I think we'll have to see how this goes and how badly you mess this up. Um, but <laughs> I, don't hold your breath. I, th- hold your breath. <laughs> I think it, w- it, it may be for our next hundred episodes. And you guys in the YouTube chat, let me know what you think about this. But I was thinking maybe it would be a good idea if I do get you like uh, a microphone and a recorder and let you be a part of the interviews uh, in- instead of just quietly watching when you can. So you can actually chime in. Can everybody see my face turning beet red? <laughs> <laughs> Your thoughts. See my anxiety spiking? No, I mean... You know what, Bob? I just do what you tell me to. So if you want me there, I'll be there. <laughs> Very good. And she's the best employee. Better than everybody else. Nobody else listens to me like that. Um, as I said that, though, I was thinking half the time you're like walking around your lab with like test tubes and like pouring stuff. Um, so that may be tricky. We could figure it out. We could figure it out. You know where I got the idea? It's not original at all. If you've ever listened. To, so 
I don't listen to, I don't know if anybody asks any questions like this, but I don't listen to much true crime because I have to listen to it. Like I do it. And then because of this show, I listen to a ton of it. But when I'm just like pleasure listening, uh, I never listen to true crime anymore. Um, but I listen to Conan O'Brien's podcast and there, and if you ever listen, listen to a couple episodes of Conan O'Brien needs a friend, get a little feel for it because he has his assistant, Sonan Mosesian on the podcast and he's interviewing like celebrities and she's just there, but she, her little inputs here and there really, really make the show. Uh, <laughs> and so I need you to be on the show. I need you to be funny and I need you to be, uh, just like Sona. And then I will try to be just okay. like Conan and then we can completely rip off his entire. We'll just mm-hmm. take over their podcast for them. Sounds great. Let me Sounds see what the, what the chat says. Uh, well, although you're getting, I think you're getting a little ahead of yourself. I just, I called myself your assistant just once earlier this week and now you're, you're running with that. I don't know. We you're my assistant. You're now my <laughs> personal assistant. I call you that. Assistant. I call you that to people in my life sometimes just to be sound important. No, I do. You use you use a meaner word, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it makes me sound important. Like especially like if I'm talking yes. to my ex-wife, I'll be like, "Oh, I got to look at my ca-. you know, she'd be like, "Can you do whatever with the kids or whatever tomorrow?" I'm like, "I got to look at my calendar." She said, "Well, you don't know what you do." I'm like, "I ah, my assistant puts all my interviews in here for me." Uh and that's you. Um mm-hmm. it is. Yes. Yeah. And that's not true. You're See, not I'm, my assistant. I'm on the other end where I get a notification on my phone, you add something to your channel, I'll be like, oh god damn it, Bob wants something again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, probably the worst part of your job is having to <laughs> be connected with my calendar. Because anything I think that you it's might need funny. that you might need to know for scheduling stuff, I always put into that calendar. So I'll right. be like, Bob's going to the dentist today. Bob's gonna Yes. <laughs> I literally know your way more about your life than you probably think just mm-hmm. because of that. I even get like when you buy a flight, I even get a little thing saying, You want to add this flight to your calendar? Like, no, it's not my flight. Right. That's not my fault. That was really confusing for CrimeCon. That was real confusing oh, yeah. for CrimeCon. <laughs> because you had your actual flights <laughs> we all in the had calendar. Flights. Yeah, there was like seven hundred flights in my calendar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then every time they change them, they make it. Yeah, I didn't even yep. think about that because yeah, American Airlines like automatically <laughs> send it to right to my calendar. Exactly. Yeah. It's um, pretty interesting. Well, that's good. Uh, are you, um, before we get into, and by the way, the overwhelming response from the chat asking about you being on the I show know. is. You guys uh, are being so nice. Oh, somebody's got a question in there. Speaking of that Chris Hansen interview, how did that feel? Oh, I like, I like Nick Boyd's comment. Uh, Nick says, Bob needs to pay Erica the same as Conan pays Sona. Listen. How about that? <laughs> You guys are jump. We talked about this when we talked about you, you not only you being my assistant, but then us getting you an assistant. I need an assistant to do to be your thing. Yes, the the, the yes, NBI yes. Studios doesn't quite have the budget for you know even just one assistant. I have to have my production manager do assistanty things sometimes. Um, <laughs> and also, fuck off, Nick. Shut up. Just shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your mouth. Uh, but as far as okay, you being on the show, Jim says great idea. Uh, Grayson says, yes, that would be cool. Robin says, love it. Rena says, yes, good idea. You'd be great, Erica. Uh, I can't. Hi, Kathy. I see you, Kathy. Lilas, Lilius. (laughs) I'm sorry if I'm, my eyes aren't great and I can't see. I would say Lilius. Lilius says, yes. Uh, Alexis says, that's a great idea. Uh, Jenna says she at least (laughs) needs a mic to defend herself. Yes, Jenna. Yes, Jenna. There's so many that I wish there was a camera on me listening to the interviews because just like my reactions without being able to respond when we, and what was it two weeks ago, the episode that came out two weeks ago with um, Mogab and yes. uh, Kristen. And you said true crime 
keepers like five times. <laughs> See, that would have been a perfect. Instead of true crime creepers. No, I was just like, God damn it, Bob. I've become, I've become Instagram friends with MoGab and we have chatted about that. And I apologize. Yeah, to- they're both, they were both great. They're the best. That was best. one of the few, few episodes I listened back to. Cause I like, those are, um, and I don't, I should wait. Let's let you start asking me questions, but just like giving you guys, like, like my kind of behind the scenes of the, for this stuff. Like that's what I want to do. That's my general personality. If I can, I get yeah. so, and I know Erica can see it in me when she's on the zoom. Like as soon as I pick up and like the pre-interview when we're getting recording going, that someone's like got a little bit of a spunky cool. little, little, yeah. <laughs> little bit of humor to them. I'm like, Oh, it's on. And that I think right yeah. after that one, I was that was one of the most fun interviews I've done since yeah, I did Katie while, and Kimberly yeah. with Date with Dateline. Yeah, I know they're like they're always the ones I go back to where I'm like that was the fun banter episode, especially because that was during that episode. Here's another behind the scenes look. I was in the lab still. That we recorded that in the evening, I think, but I was working late in the lab, um, doing kind of a deep clean, and I had the headphones in, was just listening along the interview, and I was laughing so loud <laughs> that the custodian came in from the hallway into the lab and said, "Is everything okay?" <laughs> he heard me laugh from outside in the hallway. So yeah, I. It, that was a great episode. I always go back to that one. And you can you can always tell you can usually tell I think as a listener by the episode length when you download the episode if it's because if I'm having fun then we'll just go and go and go and then there's some people where it's just like you know they're great they're super talented but they're just they're right. gonna ask the questions answer the questions I ask them and that's it and I'm just like so yeah and I try to like lead them in yeah as an interviewer I always try to like instead of just asking questions I'm like. So you got you started this podcast back in 2019, huh? And they go, "Yes, yep." Okay, cool, good talk. Uh, I'm <laughs> hoping they might expand on that. I know, I know. I I've, I cringe. I am allowed to cringe in those moments because you can't see me. So right. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we start getting into the the sure. questions that you have pre prepared, I see your what what are you enjoying uh, for your drink of the evening? Um, right now I'm finishing up a, it's called contact haze. It's a hazy IPA mm-hmm. from Elysian. So that is, I'm about to finish that up. And then I pre-poured some bourbon for after that, Ooh, since neat. I don't have anybody here to bring me drinks. Oh, of course. Neat. Neat. Uh, always neat. Interesting. What kind always of bourbon? Neat. Uh, this is actually Jim Beam Black. Have you had Jim Beam Black before? I haven't. It seems like something a poor would drink. Well, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I'm not drinking Jim Beam. Jim Beam. <laughs> <laughs> I drank a lot of Jim Beam in grad school. Uh, but no, Jim Beam Black is surprisingly very good. Like I compare it to some like specialty bourbons my dad buys me and things like that. And it holds up. I really enjoy it. So, so give so it a try. I'm about to sample for the first time. Um, I got down in Nashville. Ooh. Becky's already tapped into it, but I haven't. Uh, <laughs> Bell Mead Reserve uh, Bourbon Reserves. They have two kinds of the Bell Mead and then the Bell Mead Reserve. The Reserve, I think, is aged 14 years. Um, we wow. did a tour in Nashville of what they called a mm-hmm. mansion. It, it was a plantation, is what it was. Um, uh, one of the first to fall during the Civil War. Uh, and then the owner of it got, got to go to prison. Right. Yeah. Um, but now the people that own it, who who are not assholes, uh, have their 
have their own distillery and they make this bell awesome. mead reserve. So I'm going to pour myself a glass of. You're doing that, that right now. Great. Because mm-hmm. I love, I do it. because I love I'm glad I'm not alone. I was worried you weren't going to have a drink and I was just going to look bad, but. I love that so. Yeah, I heard it. I don't know if the listeners will, but I- <laughs> does the uh, does the Jim Beam black have a cork or is it a twisty? Oh, I actually have it right here. <laughs> See, we both came prepared right. with our bottles today. I just, in case I wanted more, I needed to have the bottle. So I, it is not a uh, cork. It is See, definitely. It doesn't have a cork. A- it's just not. It's way below me. Yeah, I but know. I'm a rocks it's guy. A- I'm a rocks guy. I'm gonna pour. Bit on the rocks. Don't need rocks. Not if it's good. <laughs> Listen, I watched. Have you seen? Uh, I think it's called Neat. There's a um, a Netflix documentary about bourbon. I think you're like the fifth person to tell me to watch that. Either that, or you just told me to watch it five times. I can't. Remember. It might have been me five times. <laughs> but but not only is it very good and makes you want a whiskey. Um, uh, but they said that you shouldn't judge people for how they drink their bourbon. Some people drink it with rocks. Some people drink it neat. Some people drink it with Sprite in it, which I will definitely judge you if you put Sprite in it. Um, okay. Well, yeah, here's Bob. Here's a story. So I, I, I would like to be nice and agree with you, but as a previous good. bartender, I once good. I once had somebody order a Woodford reserve in Mountain Dew. And I judge that person. I judge that person hard. Yeah, you should. I think if you put, <laughs> I've got my backup bottle that I always have out here. <laughs> <laughs> we both have backup drinks. Great. Right. <laughs> yeah. I would, anybody drinking anything with mixing anything with Mountain Dew is not okay. If, if you're over the age of 21. I was going to say, I did that freshman year of college. Like that was definitely like rum and Mountain Dew was my go-to. It's disgusting now, but. Yeah. Uh, so Kathy I, says she digs on the rocks. Jim says makers mark cash strength. Uh, oh yes, cast strength is good. Maker's Mark is a sleeper bourbon. I was so surprised at a blind tasting, way better than I thought it would be. You know, compared to not Creek and Basil Hayden's, yeah, yeah. And um, Maker's Mark, and then there's the cast strength, and then there's the Maker's Mark Forty Six. And to be honest with the you, Maker's Forty Six, yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite of them is just the regular Maker's. Really, I think yeah. I like the Forty Six the best. I don't actually know if I've had cast strength. I've had them both and they're all good, but I prefer, and maybe it's because it's kind of like a goat because, because like makers is one of those, like if you go to a bar, like it, they're, they're, gonna they're at least going to have that if they don't, you know, cause yeah. usually it's like a go-to. Unless it's a Jim Beam kind of bar. Right. <laughs> they might not even have that. But. Yeah. And usually those people will even at least have some Knob Creek or something, you know, right. hidden away somewhere. Right. Uh, but makers is a, makers is a, is a good one. The cast strength is good, but even the, I'm the same way with Woodford. Woodford Reserve has their, um. What is it? The black? What is the their? Oh, the double double oak barrel, double oh, a, whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I prefer the regular Woodford over the over the fancier one. I can't remember if I've tried the double oak, but that does happen a lot. Where I got there's a oh the whiskey I bought you when I met you in CrimeCon mm-hmm. in Austin from our local distillery, veteran-owned distillery here, uh, Hotel Tango. Shout out. Um, they make the, all of their own liquors and the, I like same thing with them. They have a bourbon and a bourbon reserve. And I think the regular bourbon is far better than the reserve. So that happens. Yep. Now this one, the bell mead one, I sampled them both at the, at the uh, plantation and, <laughs> and the reserve was definitely smoother and better. Good, good, good. Um, Erica Miller uh, said she wants to see the kittens. 
Um, you know, you'll, you'll, I'll have the kids. I do have out. a question about that. Actually, wait, we can go. Like, this is a nice transition to into, into some a little bit of questioning. So You're Suzanne Simpson also asked. Already taken over the uh, show. How are the new kittens? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the new kittens. So for those of you that don't know that aren't haven't been listening to the truth and justice behind the scenes, we have a just a, just a feral stray cat that had kittens in our garage, and they're absolutely adorable. Um, there's six of them. But now we're like trying to get rid of like, and we've started like so like we, I built a box for them in the garage because they were like hiding yes, behind us, nice. hiding behind a step where we couldn't like get to coax them out, and so we put them in a box. Mom has come around. I can actually pick mom up and pet her now. Like she's she, oh wow, she still wow, hisses at me. With, like I was gonna say, do you have to bring ham every time you pet her? Or? No, when Becky brought ham, she bit her on the finger. Um, <laughs> no ham. <laughs> she likes me better than <laughs> Becky. Um, <laughs> Because she's as a great judge of character, and she knows that I'm mm. much sweeter than Becky is. Uh, but, but yeah, like I'll walk up to her and she'll, <laughs> and while she's hissing, I'll pick her up and then she'll start purring while I'm. Wow, that's brave. Her. Um. But oh my god, today my ex came to pick Parker up, and me and her and Parker and Becky were all we took all six kittens out in the yard and let them run around in the grass, and they're just they're absolutely adorable. I will have them on because this the way this is recorded. I'm not going to go grab them today; it'll take too long, but. Tomorrow yeah. during the Patreon, Janet has already, uh, which you'll see on Friday if you're a patron for Truth and Justice, um, uh, I will have the uh, the kittens out during that because Janet has already requested that I have kittens out. I have baby chicks <laughs> out here, too. I have baby quail out, out in my office. <laughs> oh, those are quail? I saw that. I saw your Becky posting about those, and I thought I just assumed they were chickens, but I didn't realize they're quail. Mm-hmm. Yep, those are my quail. That's interesting. I have little quail uh-huh. eggs, which are quite bougie nowadays, except I usually just hatch them. Uh-huh. I don't eat them. Um, but yeah, the, the <laughs> yes. kittens are good. Oh, yeah. I've eaten a <laughs> One of them is spoken for, but now I'm like, what the hell do we do if we don't get rid of them? And I think there's like shelters like we can take them to that'll, but I don't want anybody to kill them. I'm sure you can find. I mean, I would offer to take one because I do want one really bad. But Caleb said he will leave me if I bring a cat home. So. <laughs> I say call his bluff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about it. Trust me. I did yeah. tell him, I was like, if there is a stray and it needs a home, I'm keeping it. <laughs> well, wait, I should grab one of these because you won't be able to resist. They're adorable. I know. And they love people. And Rocco needs a friend. My dog Rocco needs a friend. And your stupid lizard. Arthur doesn't like, he doesn't want any friends. He doesn't <laughs> like animals. He doesn't like other animals. No. He only likes me. <laughs> Uh, someone said, is that Susan Simpson from Undisclosed and Proof? No, this is Suzanne Simpson, different lady. But somebody is also asking about your GSP puppy. Oh, he turned German German short hair pointer, Mac. He turned one yesterday was his birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Mac. Oh, also, while (laughs) your dog reminded me of Zach. Happy birthday, Zach. Zach's birthday is today, which I knew, even though Janet... Text him first and then tried to make me look bad. Did you did she do it in the group text? Yeah, she did. She, she was sent, definitely trying to make you feel bad then. She sent him <laughs> she sent him a fucking email, like a long email. Like this an email. The super and then text in what our group. What is it, the 90s? Yeah. And then our group text was like, Zach, I just wanted to make sure that you saw the email I sent you yesterday for your birthday. Oh and I'm because I don't do social media ever. Like I didn't even know it was. I'm a bad friend. I didn't know it was his birthday, um, but I pretended that, is that I pro- did. Pretty much the only reason I have Facebook is so I don't miss people's birthdays. <laughs> right. All right. But my trick is texting them personally, so that if I do forget, 
they can't call me out. Oh, I'll just say like nobody else can call me out. I will They'll be the never, only ones who know. I will never <laughs> say happy birthday on social media because years yeah. ago I used to try to do that, and then some like cousin Same. of mine that I hadn't seen in years. Yeah. Like, text me and start cussing me out. I was like, I can't believe you didn't wish me happy birthday and blah, blah, blah. And you wish everybody else. I'm like, I don't. Exactly. I have, what? I haven't seen you in 10 years. I forgot it was your birthday. I'm sorry. Look, Bob, you got to lower the expectations for everybody. Don't post for anybody. And that yep. way, when you do, it's just extra special. That's exactly <laughs> what I do. I post for no one. And then if they're close enough to me that I that I have their same. phone number, I'll send them a text exactly. message. Exactly. Yep. We're the same. All right. All right. So are you wanting to get started with some, get into the meat of the questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So uh, anticlimactically, my first question is not about you at all, but I'm going to ask it to you. Uh, If you can provide an answer, we had a couple people, Melissa and Kathy asked on the Facebook page, how's Mike doing? Does he like his new job? Give us a mic update. Any chance of him coming back on the show for a little guest appearance in the future? Uh, I doubt it because that was the part of the, the job he hated the worst. Uh, right. <laughs> so like everybody, everybody, he's doing well. He's doing very well. Everybody, right. I went and went fishing with him two weeks ago. Well, I haven't seen him since April, but we like made a point to like get together and we went out fishing together. Uh, there's a picture on my Instagram, I think of the two of us out together. Um, but yeah, he was like, like, like so many people think Mike is so quiet. And he's so not like Mike and I have like the banter that I had going on with like Kristen and Mogab and that pot. That's me and Mike all day, every day. That's why we, we got more productive when he started working remotely because yeah. we would just go all the time. But he always got yeah. super, super nervous and anxious when the, mm-hmm. the microphones and the cameras were on. Like he hated like even if he like even if he was back. Sorry, there was a gnat in here. Um, even if he. <laughs> Even if he was back, like he would, if he were to come back, he would want Janet to still be on the podcast instead yeah, of him. Yeah. Um, but he's yeah. doing well. He's, he's learning a lot as an electrician. I think he's looking, um, looking at, you know, whatever, at some options as far as where he wants to work. Cause he's getting to the point where right. he's ready to like start school to be a journeyman. Um, okay. That's what I was going to ask. Cause my boyfriend, he is, uh, plumber pipe fitter so he just graduated from his apprenticeship he mm-hmm. but he's union so i wasn't sure if it was the same everywhere but i was gonna ask does he have to do like a full like caleb's was five years does he have to do like a five year long it's apprenticeship, it's or? something like that it's it's it's, it's schooling and then something mm-hmm. like four years or something like that yeah but yeah. he's at a, a non-union shop right now mm-hmm. and and when he gets his journeyman's and he'll owe them another four years because they're covering this class. So he's right at that. You know, he's uh, got to make right. a decision if he's going to stay there or I, my suggestion to him was that you should probably go, especially right now, everybody's hiring, like go get into a union job yes. where there's much better benefits and better yes. pay and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, but as far I as like I'd learning like to be, an, yeah, as far as learning to be an electrician, he's, he's really enjoying it. He's happy. Him and his wife are doing Good. great. Um, he's doing, he's doing really well, busy. They work long hours. Like we had to schedule like a Sunday yeah. afternoon to go fishing. Right. Right. Well, that's good though. Glad to hear that he is doing well. Susan <laughs> Simpson on the YouTube chat wants to know now if I have free electricity help. That's the funny <laughs> thing is, so Mike was not handy at all. Like, like up until he took this, like I used to be, I was a maintenance tech and a contractor, before and during when I was a fireman. So anything, sometimes mm-hmm. something was like wrong at Mike's house or with a piece of equipment, I always had to like go fix it for him and like show him how to do it. And so it's funny right. now that he's like, 
learning, like he was talking to me about the, you know, the, the way they wire things and do stuff. It's like, you have a, you have a lawn tractor that's been parked for two years because a mouse chewed through one wire and you were afraid to, <laughs> you were afraid to just connect the wire back together. <laughs> and, so, and now that's all he's doing. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, that's good though. Yeah. I, I feel the same having a plumber in the house and like anytime something breaks, I'm just like, all right. You fix it. I don't have to deal with it. That's his (laughs) problem, not mine. (laughs) All right. So glad to hear Mike is doing well. So yes, the other big question of the day, of the evening um, that I had to cut you off on earlier. So uh, tell me about this uh, birthday card that you made for Zach. I heard it was pretty spectacular and very well thought out. And uh, it was really sweet. Spent a lot of time on it. So (laughs) you have to know that Janet and I have very much a like, brother and sister type relationship and we really need to know that going into it before you see this picture yes yeah we like that. bicker all the time um and and i always give her because she really is the sweetest person on the planet yeah. um yeah. but but i always say on the follow-up thing because everybody knows she's so sweet that i say that she's actually secretly super mean and <laughs> so when she sent the the text and the uh uh, the email to Zach for his birthday, making me look bad. Let me see. Let me see if I can share my screen here. I think you should be able to yeah. share screen desktop share. Do you see my screen now? I do. Now I can't see anything else on my screen, but that's fine. I don't need to. <laughs> okay. Just real quick. Let me just, yeah. so can you see there is, that's the, bir- so I told Zach that I made him a very nice hand drawn Happy birthday card. And that's it. It's Super took a long time. Lots of thought. Yeah. Pre-planning. All that. It did. I spent weeks working on it. Um, And as you show, it says uh, happy birthday. For those that are just listening, it says happy birthday, Zach. And then there's a, a very good drawing of yes, Zach detailed. and uh, and me. And, and Zach and I. Are you flipping him off? No. I, well, Zach and I are holding hands. And then. Yes. Over here is Janet, who appears to be some sort of monster. All I'm sorry, she looks like she's a swamp creature. Yeah, you she, did you did her dirty in that picture. Yeah, she's she's very contorted. Uh, if you if you if you really yeah. zoom in, she's got fangs uh, and and long long extra like long said, detail, fingers and claws. And uh, and I'm I'm flipping her off uh, in the picture. <laughs> so that is that's the the happy birthday to to Zach. Um, that card. Zach sent that to me and I just, I texted him back and I said, Oh my God, why did Bob do that to Jim? <laughs> <laughs> did he, did he send you the other, the Photoshop thing that I did that I better not talk about? No, no. He only sent me that. He sent me this. He told me, I heard on the follow-up that he was going to have all these questions for me to ask you. And then I texted him uh, yesterday saying, Hey, look, I haven't gotten a single question from you and I'm pretty disappointed about it. So <laughs> 30 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, he told me to ask you about the hand-drawn, wonderfully hand-drawn birthday card and send me the photo. But that is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Cindy thinks you should get that tattoo. <laughs> it would be a good tattoo. It's, it's beautiful artwork. I, thought and it's the funny part is if you saw uh the the let me see here where where did it go did i i don't know where i put it on my screen while you're pulling that up danielle i'm assuming she's the person who you uh tattooed she is danielle everybody knows about that yeah she said she's glad she went with the autograph and not the stick figure (laughs) after seeing i don't know why i can't figure out where i put that put that picture 
But I, if you noticed right where the body, there's, there's stick figures and right where the body meets the arms, I put two little bumps in there. And so Janet, Janet in our group, in our group text, she's no. like, she said, well, I have a lot of questions, but let me start with this. And I immediately responded, yes, they're boobs. One second, <laughs> one second before her picture. Hold on, I didn't see them. One second before. Oh my God. <laughs> Before her picture came in with a little bit of that bit circled in the middle. They're so bad. And oh, then, poor Janet. And then she texts me in all caps. I I, I want to read it because I don't I want to make sure that I that I get it right. Oh shit. If I can find it. Where is it though? Zach? And you Oh wait, she's texting me right now. Uh, oh no. Oh she's probably listening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh she said because i i also sent another i said that i i found her senior picture online uh and then i i did maybe a little bit of photoshop work and sent that picture um but it's inappropriate oh, no. to share uh, to the public um well then you send it to me privately please yes i will do that <laughs> uh she texted me do some actual work idiot in all caps <laughs> <laughs> Let me, I will send this to you, but it, but it's, it's, it's super, uh, I can't hang on. Can I paste Does that work? Yeah. There. If you look in your, in your texts is the, uh, it'll come through in a minute. The, the picture that I photoshopped of Janet that I said was her senior picture, um, which she wasn't thrilled about. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> um, while I'm waiting for that to come up, let's see. Do we have any good? Oh, there it is. Never mind. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Janet, what did she ever do? <laughs> I don't know what to by what you told me that I don't want to say on here that you refer to me to your family as I know what picture you could photoshop for me. So right. I'm not I'm gonna try and be a little nicer to you moving forward. <laughs> It's some of my best work. Um, Please, on your phone, make that her contact photo for you. Uh, oh, Either it, that or the stick figure. It's got to be one of them. It's my desktop <laughs> background on my oh, computer. Out there. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We went through that. Okay. So, yeah. Let's get into some podcast talk. How about that? Since this is a podcast. Uh, Kristen asked a couple questions. She asked... Maybe this first question, maybe she wasn't there for season one. I'm not sure. But uh, what made you decide to do a podcast on wrongful convictions? And was there a case that you heard about that motivated you to help the wrongfully convicted? Yeah, well, for, for people that have been listening since the beginning, know that I this whole podcast, not this podcast, Truth and Justice started because I was obsessed with the announce I had case with serial which, you know, when we look at the true crime landscape now and the amount of podcasts that are out there and so many of these active investigation type podcasts and serialized podcasts, you got to go back to 2014 and realize that nothing like that existed ever. Like it was, it did, so right. when Serial came out, it was, it was like nothing we'd ever heard before. There was, mm -hmm. there were true crime, like Generation Y was out. There was a couple of true crime podcasts that were around, but- mm -hmm. They were they weren't super popular, and 
nobody, you know, and no one was doing anything like that. So I listened to that case and I was just fascinated. And, and I started the podcast called the serial dynasty intended to be like a book club, just like, Hey, I want to talk about this. So you tell me what you think. And then you email me and then I'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about, and I was kind of following along with the undisclosed podcast then at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got hooked into the case and I just started actually investigating myself and started talking, like reaching out to witnesses. People started talking to me that had never spoken before. And, you know, next thing I know, also the podcast was blowing up and then people were like writing me in wanting me to cover these other wrongful conviction cases. So at first it was, it was, it was super interesting. I found it very rewarding and all these people wanted me to help. And then I was looking at like, well, how many other cases or could there be like this? And it occurred to me that doing this like real time, long form investigative series, like People do it and they do it well with like missing persons cases or with cold cases, but it's a lot harder mm-hmm. because, because they're not adjudicated. It's hard to get records. If it's a cold case, that means the police presumably put all of their energy and effort and resources into it and weren't able to solve it. So unless you can just shake the bushes and get somebody to come forward, which happens all the time, um, you know, you know, the Kristen smart case is a great example of that went from mm-hmm. your own backyard podcast, Chris Lambert, um, but it was like, well, if it's a wrongful conviction, number one, it's adjudicated. We can get the records. And if it's truly a wrongful conviction, then that means the police were looking over here and there should be a whole other avenue of investigation that they haven't looked right. at yet. So it's a lot of right. information for us to go through. And it just, you know, so, so at first it was kind of that line of thinking, like that seemed like there could be some longevity there. We could help people. And when I did Ed Eight's case and got really attached to Ed and his family and that, like, then mm-hmm. I was just hooked. And for a, a lot, and I know there's other questions that lead into this. So I'll wait for them, but uh, it opened my eyes to a lot of things, and uh, it just it, I had that real connection, and it got to the point where I don't want to do anything else. Like these are people mm-hmm. I've never liked to bully, and I feel like in a lot of these cases, someone was bullied into the position they're in. And mm-hmm. I want to be able to, not only for me, our podcast, I've talked about this on Truth and Justice before, but like, we're never going to be true crime obsessed or my favorite murder with like mm-hmm. millions of downloads. We're too niche. It's not entertaining yeah. enough. But exactly. I love the fact that the, you know, the 100,000 people or so that do listen to us that like, I, I'm, I'm a part of this massive group of people that are listening and participating because they want to help people and they want to make a difference. And I love that idea. So it's, it's the fact that it's wrongful convictions. It's the fact that there was a bully and that we're helping people that can't help themselves. But it's also like in a world full of such dark shit all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like every day I can look, even when people are arguing like on Facebook about the case or whatever, it's like, but they're arguing because they care so much. And to be right. a part of that is is right. is very rewarding for me. It feels like that's my calling. That's my purpose is to kind of be the voice for all of these, like myself, ordinary people that just want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, I kind of feel very similarly to that. Like I feel like I kind of followed a similar journey, obviously with a different outcome, but I started listening. I first podcast I ever listened to was serial and it was quite a bit, quite a while after it had come out. Um, it was 
I think 2015. So maybe, I don't know, I guess it probably had been up for maybe a year or two. Um, and I was on a road trip and I binged it on the road trip. And on the way back on the road trip, I binged it again because I was just like, I needed to know more. Mm-hmm. And so then that's how I found Serial Dynasty and Undisclosed and was listening to both of them throughout grad school and all of that. And lots of uh, trigger memories attached to that. But <laughs> but no, it was great to kind of follow along. And then, yes, yeah, uh, going through season two with Ed Eight's case and I remember watching on the Facebook live when he was finally released and um, how exciting that was. And just how I think that for me right then was kind of the moment of like the, like we have the power us as people have the power to make actual changes instead of just talking about this, you know, into, into a void and nothing ever happens where, you know, this is actually doing something. This is actually making changes and bringing a lot of awareness to a huge issue that I, you know, similarly to you, I had no idea about wrongful convictions or how, you know, corrupt our criminal ju- criminal justice system really can be. So, I yeah, I kind of feel similarly with, as you on a lot of that kind of stuff. Just I feel like I've become really passionate about wrongful convictions. And I always tell people, people ask me, what's your favorite? true crime podcast and I always say truth and justice but then I do always caveat that with like it's not for everybody though it's only for like the truly dedicated the truly dedicated people who want those nitty-gritty details and want to break it down to its you know its parts and and actually solve something yeah and it's in the whole idea of like the criminal justice system is changing because Mm -hmm. of not just because of us but because of so many all of the attention yeah the podcast Mm -hmm. industry the indie industry where all these like independent content creators started digging into these cases has caused Mm -hmm. like i guarantee you 20 years down the road the number of wrongfully convicted people will be dropping dramatically because these prosecutors know that people are watching and they're coming in. They're and, watching, yeah. And they know immediately. You know, when I first started, when I was doing Ed's case and when I was doing mm-hmm. Jesse Eldridge's case, and so, you know, back way back in you know, seasons two, three, and the, you know, you'd go to the DA's office. It was even when I did Sandy Melgar's case, our season six. You know, I go to the Houston DA's office and I was like, hey, I'd like to do an interview. I'd like to come and look at the case file. And they're like, oh yeah, media attention, come on in. And then I came in and they're all like, what the fucking fuck? Like you went, you did, like you went, you pointed out everything we did wrong and that we got the wrong person yeah. and exposed us for all of our bullshit and corruption. And now it's like you, you, you go to, uh, you know, DA's office and you're like, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to cover your case. And they're immediately like, Oh shit. Like the, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guarantee you it, it, if there's conferences for district attorneys and I'm sure there is that I mean, I guarantee you they're like sitting around like, Jesus Christ, like, please. Just hope that a podcaster doesn't come and grab onto one of your cases because they're all lying and cheating and stealing the old time. I know. And that's just how the system has always worked. And they know that mm-hmm. if somebody comes and latches onto one, that they're going to expose them. So I, I, I like to hope that just that exposure is causing cases that are being tried and prosecuted right now, that there's at least something in the back of their minds is like, we better... You know, I've always said, like, if, if cops and prosecutors just have in their mind, like, we need to do our job, like, some stranger is going to come along five years from now and expose everything we did to the entire world, then we've made an impact. If we've just caused mm-hmm. them just to be fair and be honest and do things to, yeah, the right way. Think about their choices a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I do think, I agree. I think all of these podcasts and especially yours have definitely done a lot in these, in a very short amount of time to bring a lot of awareness and, um, you know, hopefully with that awareness, along with that, a lot of people motivated to make change. I mean, I'm seeing people in the chat right now talking about how they want, they wanted to get more involved and, and what else can they do? And I've, I've been in the same boat where I, you know, I, Google the Innocence Project, see if I could volunteer for them or in some way or some form, you know, just some way without having to go and get a degree that I could help. So, yeah, I think that, you know, your podcast and and a lot of the other ones as well, you know, have kind of inspired a lot of people to and motivated a lot of people to address the issue. That's such a cool thing, too. So, like, now Innocence Projects bring me cases. Yeah. And, And again, it's that concept of us being outsiders like they've now realized the benefit of okay get somebody get a group of people that are not lawyers they're not cops they're not they have no connection to the law at all they're just ordinary citizens and let's turn this let's turn them loose on it and see what they can do to actually make an impact on the cases and it's like all of a sudden and there's the screaming of stay in your lane, stay in your lane. It's like, it's our lane now, motherfucker. Like, yeah, you know, we took that yeah, lane. Like you can we still lift you off. <laughs> yeah. You can be in the lane, but we're coming in too as, yeah. as the outsiders yeah. and we're going to be your watchdogs because our government was, is broken and it was designed to have checks and balances in place, but it's, it's crooks looking at, you know, looking out for crooks anymore. They're checking each other's balances. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so now all mm-hmm. of a sudden now the citizens are coming. And that's what's really happening here on a grander scale is the citizens are coming back saying, We elected you. We put you into power. And then we put them into power to keep an eye on you, but they're not doing their job. So we're going to come in and make sure you're all doing your jobs right. hmm Yeah, it's truly like power of the people. You know, we always talk about how the people have the power because power is in numbers, but it's so hard to get everybody together to kind of unite against a front. But in this case it, we have, and I think we're all using our, you know, our power in the numbers to kind of and next hold, up, these, hold these assholes accountable. <laughs> next up, we take down the two party system. All right. I'm down. It'll Let's be do easy. It. We'll just, all of just you, me so and the folks easy. here in chat. We'll just get rid of them. We'll just start another podcast. Yeah, there we go. That'll, that'll do it. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to another question. Um, Kristen also asked, uh, and she did she did pop in in the chat to let us know that she has been a longtime listener, but just didn't. She wanted to kind of hear again your your inspiration for getting into all of this. Um, she also asked, "Have you come across any cases that you started off thinking were wrongful convictions, and then after researching for quite a while, you found out that probably wasn't the case?" Yeah. Uh, uh, several um, it, to different degrees. the The biggest degree, right. uh, the biggest, the biggest one was um, our season eight case, Deborah Perringer, and I and I don't know, I don't know that she was sure innocent yep. or guilty, but that was one. It was an interesting sit- situation because the Innocence Project brought us the case and said, right. "We don't really know. We need you to use your your audience, your army." Uh, they call us the Truth and Justice Army to investigate this and see if she's innocent and and point us in a direction and where to put our resources. She passed away before uh, of COVID before we were able to finish the season. But if you were listening to that season, you heard like I was starting to. There are definitely some elements there that certainly lean towards her innocence. 
But then I was there was elements that leaned towards her guilt. It's it's a case. The best way I could put it is: had I just taken that case, if it was a submission, and I did my pre screening and initial investigation, I probably wouldn't have taken the case because it was too mm-hmm. ambiguous. Yeah, um, yeah. But so I I wasn't real sure. But there's been plenty that you know I remember there were I had a case. It was out of Alaska, and it was a point where like I was like researching airline tickets. Um, yeah. and it was like for a while there, I just want anywhere, but Texas was right. <laughs> when the submissions somewhere came. very far from Texas. <laughs> I still, to this day, I would say 15 out of, you know, 15 out of 16 cases that get submitted to us are from Texas all the time. Um, but it was like, here's one in, um, it was in Alaska and I don't remember all the details of the case, but I remember like, it looked like the, the, the woman was, was definitely innocent. And I started looking into it and I was looking, I was like, man, is this going to be doable? Like, you know, I need to go to the crime scene. What's travel going to cost me going to Alaska? And I was like working things out and started working out schedules. And then I found some things in the, people always ask, like the, the, the haters of me, uh, will always comment like, why is he doing this case when he hasn't even read the whole case file? So irresponsible to which I say, go fuck yourself. That's the, the, the podcast is a real time crowdsourced investigation. I mean, I'm literally doing it in real time. That's the way it works. I screen, I do a, a brief investigation uh, into it uh, up front. But then once we get going, I'm just literally investigating it the way I would investigate it, following the investigator's lead. Uh, and we're discovering things in, in real time. But that's how, you know, that's how the podcast works. That's the way it's always worked. Uh, is, you know, it, it just gets investigated in, in real time. But in the pre-screening, in, in, in cases, sometimes I'll find something that's like, I need to find the thing that, that shows me that there's a good chance this is a wrongful conviction. And I remember the one in Alaska, I found something was like, oh, no, this person is is definitely guilty. I had one out of Colorado. Um, same thing, got got quite a ways into it. And, uh, at one point I ended up having to contact the, uh, uh, the fiance of the man in prison for murdering his wife, uh, which would have been a clue. I didn't think about it up front, but so she, obviously she met him while he was in prison. Uh, and, uh, I had to contact her afterwards and be like, look, you need to look and her friends were reaching out. I'm like, you need to, she needs to run away. Like this man killed his wife. And decapitated her with their child in the car. Like it was, it became very painfully obvious that he actually did it um, by just by reading through the uh, the case file and just following the track of the initial investigators. So it's definitely happened several times. Kristen in the chat says, "How do you get your sponsors?" We have a um, in, so like my podcast is on Wondery, uh, True Crime binges on Audio Boom. Maybe going over to Wondery, we'll see. Um, but they they book all this all the sponsors for us. And just tell it. And anymore, it used to be we had to read new ads every week. I'm sure you've noticed if, if anybody binges that you hear the same ads over and over and over again. It's a new model they're using where we record an ad once at the beginning of the month and they just drop them into the episodes for like a whole month. So you hear the same ones over and over again. That's fine when they're like, okay, like normal whatever ads. But oh my God, there's this White Castle ad that keeps playing in some of the podcasts I listen to. And it is the most obnoxious thing ever. <laughs> they sing like a jingle about the chicken rings and it drives me absolutely insane. 
Anyways. You know, I don't uh, know. Some of our ads are regional. So some of them are me reading the ad. Yeah. And then some right. of them are just dropped in. Um, when yeah. I was in Montana, I was listening to, because Zach and uh, Janet did an episode by themselves while I was gone. So I was listening to it while I was driving around out there. And I was in Big Fork, you Montana. And it's it like, call Big Fork Ford to get a new truck. And I'm like, how did they know where I'm at? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, they know. They always know, don't they? All right. So I have another question for you from or a couple questions for you from Michelle. Uh, Michelle asks, going back to Serial Dynasty, remind her, what was your final theory on who killed Hay? If or whatever you're willing to share on that, your thoughts. I think it's 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 hard one to answer. Yeah, I I think that. Don needs a much closer look. Knowing that he lied about his his alibi, knowing that his parents helped him cover the alibi. I think the fact that he lied before Hayes' body had been found is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, And I've always believed that she, and this is just kind of my belief, this is not proven, this is not fact, but I've always kind of believed that Hay left the school and did exactly what she told her friends she was going to do, which was go meet Don. I have a hunch that they probably met at a hotel room close to the school. I've been there. I've been to the hotel that I think that it is. Um, one of the reasons for that is it's one of the old type of hotels where like the doors open up to the parking lot. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like the Rosebud Motel, uh, if you know your Shit's Creek. Um that's a motel, Bob. It's a motel, yes. Hotel motel. Oh, damn. <laughs> I stay in a lot of motels because yeah. I'm cheap. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like a motel like that. And I think probably something happened there. And I in, in this hypothesis I have, I think probably she went. There's no reason to believe she didn't do what she said she was going to do, first of all. Right. Um, which was to go meet Don. Um, and then I think that if in this in this this hypothesis would be if something broke bad there, don't think it was a planned homicide. I don't think it was intended, but something broke bad, got out of hand. Hay gets killed, uh, and, and the way that I see it kind of going down is then uh, he would leave, connect with, I guess would be dad, maybe mom. I don't know. Um, but I think that he returned back to the scene and because of the type of motel it was, they were able to back a truck right up by, to the door, get the body out, put the body in the truck or trunk. And then and then from there, the Leakin Park where her body was buried on a map and just hearing about it, it didn't make much sense. But one of the reasons I always like to go to the crime scene was, okay, so I put myself in the mindset. I parked at this hotel that I think maybe was involved. And then I say, okay, so if I left here and, I, and I've got a body in my truck and I need to get rid of it like right now, uh, and I drive, I hit the main road, go, and the, literally the very first turn you come to where you could get off of the road, like off of the main road, is the road into Leakin Park. And then you turn into mm-hmm. Leakin Park if you're coming from that direction, not the direction the police think they were coming from. But if you're coming from mm-hmm. that direction, the other question is why here? Why would they bury her here of all the places? And right. it's like- Oh, you come around the corner and all of a sudden it's this one spot where there's no houses that can see. There's no lights. 
and there's a little spot where you can pull your car off. Boom. So that makes sense. So I, I think that's what mm-hmm. happened. And then I think they moved their car out to the live end of the lot where the, where the car was, um, the car was found later and that might've got moved around a little bit too, but that, that's always been, that, that is the hypothesis that I, that I'm working with right now that I think needs to be yeah. looked into further. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. I think everything that you uncovered and that other people have uncovered kind of points at least certainly to say that the police should have spent a lot more time looking into Don and every, you know, people around him as opposed to, Oh, you have an alibi. Okay, great. We're not going to check it and move on. Right. (laughs) And I always said like, I, I, to, in the defense of the officers, they did their due deal. You know, they, they got the alibi from Don's mom, but then they did go Mm -hmm. to the store Right to a right. different woman, and had her and got time card and got and got right. an alibi from her too. So it seemed in their defense, it seemed as though they had verified the alibi. It wasn't until Susan Simpson, right. you know, pulled the case file, looked at the time cards, different employee ID numbers, all that stuff sure. that it was it was over forty hours. He wasn't paid. There was a million reasons to believe that that one was right. backdated later. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you completely. That I think. With you know hindsight is 2020, so when us knowing what we know now and having gone back and really ripped through those time cards, we you know we found out a lot more. But the police at the time probably wouldn't have been thinking right. Not that they didn't do a million other things wrong, but exactly, (laughs) I can't fault him for thinking he had an alibi for that one thing. Yeah, (laughs) the the boss they didn't know was related to him says, yeah, he was working, he was here. Right. Um, Okay. Well, Michelle also asked, do you have any updates on Kiel Gove's case? one of the saddest cases as she says nothing new right now last i knew it was still um uh, the innocence projects working with the conviction integrity units they're waiting on some dna testing um I- i'm super frustrated because y'all heard yeah. troy eldridge recant which was the only evidence against jesse and that's been almost three years now and still I got nothing. such chills listening to that episode. I probably cried. I don't even know. That was, yeah, that was, that was a crazy moment mm-hmm. uh, to hear when that happened. Yeah. But when I have an update, I for sure will give it to you. Yeah. Hopefully something happens with that case soon. All right. Um, so moving kind of into more true crime binge esque questions. Um, do you have any, Jason asked, uh, who would be your dream guest? Do you have a dream guest for True Crime Binge? Somebody you would love to have on yet? It changes besides me. Besides, be- besides me. having Erica on, uh, yeah. you know, it changes because I've I've had I've I've had a lot of my dream guests on. You know, when I first when I first started doing it, one person that I like desperately wanted to talk to and get to know was David Ridgen, who's one of my favorite podcasters mm-hmm. out there, and I was able yeah. to have him on. I right. absolutely adore Patrick Hines, and I got had Patrick Hines on. Um, uh, and there's been so many that, you know, over the years that have been like big podcasters that I really want to talk to. I will say that, um, was it the, my favorite murdered, the Georgia and, um, what's the, yeah, Georgia and, uh, Karen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Georgia and Karen. Uh, I've wanted to have them on. They're apparently too big time yeah. and bougie for me. I That's probably my dream guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to talk to them. And, and like, we know people who know them and they're and everybody's like, I know oh, we've had got... people on from their network. Yeah. We're really close. Yeah. They're like, yeah. uh, you got to kind of go through their people to get to. I was so. going to say they get, yeah, they're so, they're so up there. They're so big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first guests we almost had 
was Yeardley uh, Smith. The she's the voice of Lisa Simpson, who does oh. Small Town Dicks. I think is the name of her podcast. I feel like I've heard. Did she? Was she? Was I think she was on my favorite murder. She was on another podcast that I heard. Could have been right about the time we started True Crime Binge. Her publicist reached out to me and said, Yearly would like to be on your show. She listens. She'd like to be on. I'm like, awesome. And we And I had it booked. And then, like, something came up and they had to push. And so we booked it for the next week. And then, it like, that happened, like, three times. She's like, ah, oh, we'll just, you know, she's in the middle of a project. So we'll get back with you later. And it just never came came to be. Yeah. So that was one. Yeah, but, we get a few like that. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm 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 always excited to talk to, you know, anybody. I, I I love meeting new people and then also, you know, talking to the big podcasters that, you know, that right. I already know. I would say some of the big ones are really fun, but some of the smaller ones we've covered, some of the people, the hosts from like these small podcasts I hadn't really heard of before are some of the ones I remember the most and the people I kind of still talk to. So me too. Well, like always- as an example, so I met um, uh, Brandon Hall from Music City 911. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, met, I spent a lot of time with him in Vegas. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I hooked up with him at uh, when I was in Nashville. Uh, Becky and I went to go. Oh, went, yeah. We went out to dinner oh, with great. him and we hung out. He told us some cool places to go. So. Yeah, Brandon and I have gotten oh, to be have gotten to be buddies from you know meeting yeah. on the podcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. I I booked that one, so you're welcome. <laughs> and I'm sure me and Mo Gab and Kristen will be best of friends if we ever meet each other in person. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. We don't even have they ever been to CrimeCon before. We didn't even ask. We gotta. I think I'll have to go back to your notes. Term. Yeah, that's true. It's probably in there if, if they were. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back real quick, if we can, to the Heyman Lee case. Um, I did find just at least one, if I can find it again, one question that I also wanted to hear your answer to. Okay. Oh, so one of the big, and I think I kind of know your answer, but I want to see what you think. Um, one of the big non, ad non, non questions, the nons, the non ad nons, that's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> one of the big questions they always bring up is if, if, the whole Don theory or, or a non a theory different from whatever the prosecutors were say, stating. Um, how, did, but how did Jay know where the car was is, is the always kind of question Jay they didn't, come back to. Yeah, I feel like it's an easy answer. Yeah. Jay didn't know shit. Listen to it. They fed him. They yeah. fed him every goddamn word that he said, Exactly. Yeah. whether you think a non's innocent or guilty, Jay was a pawn and all that. You can literally hear them walking through. You can hear him say, Oh, I missed the, at one point he says, like, oh, 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 whoops, I missed the top spot. And he's getting stuff out of order. And, you know, Susan heard the taps. But, I know the Susan. Yeah, that episode. Like but the, it was the Susan episode with Knox. Without yeah. the taps, it's know. very obvious. Like they presented the case as though Jay said, hey, this is what happened all through the night. And then they got the cell phone records and they're like, oh, yeah, the pings line up exactly like that. Not what happened. They got the pings and said, Tell us the biggest tip off was, and I don't remember, it's been a long time, but like in one of his versions of the story, they're like walking him through like, okay, then you were here because they had a tower location wrong on their map. And so he gives them the whole story and it follows along with the tower pings. And then they figured out that tower location was in the wrong spot, bring him back in. And miraculously his story changes to line up with where the tower is now. Like anybody that thinks that Jay, 
gave that knew interview anything. those yeah. interviews and knew anything is like like you're just being willfully ignorant it's it's it was yeah, obvious definitely. you can think Anon is guilty and still be intellectually honest enough to know that jay doesn't know shit right. about what happened exactly. and he was a yeah. pawn in that right yeah regardless of anything else it's so obvious that jay knew almost at least almost nothing if not absolutely nothing and was completely you know kind of fed all of that info from all of the police officers. And then even in the HBO series, docu-series, they even go farther and have, you know, some sort of suggestive evidence that he, you know, admitted that it was kind of made up. So, and, you know, mm-hmm. and then his interviews too, that he's done past the date, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think that's the easiest question to answer in that case, unfortunately, is that, you know, how did he not know the car was there? Well, the police told him so well and the, uh, the whole him pointing yeah, the car yeah. while they're t- you know so they don't he, they don't even have him say where the car is they're like okay so we agreed that after we shut off this recorder you're gonna take <laughs> oh us to the God. car right yep and then they leave and it's like he took us to the car trust me like we don't even know that he took him to the car but yeah anywho man Oh, Valeria discovered truth and justice through true crime binge. That's very, that's not typical. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Usually it goes the other way around. I'm glad. Exactly. We're, we're glad to have you, Valeria. We're reaching, the true crime binge has reached at least one new person. <laughs> yeah. And I'm curious because usually that means that they came from another podcast. To, to, you know, it's like somebody we interviewed who was like, oh, right, hey, I right. was on true yeah, crime so like binge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Valeria, so, Valeria if you get a chance in the chat, a... tell us which podcast you listen to that then yeah. brought you to True Crime Binge. Yes, definitely. Because Valeria, she asked a lot of questions for today, which I do have all of them written down in case we have time to get to them. And she also asked on the page, did she ask too many questions? And to that I say no. I'm very <laughs> grateful that she asked a bunch of questions just in case. Um, okay. So moving back off of the Heyman Lee case, because I know that's, I'm always shocked that in like I, I would expect more people to bring that up all the time because to me that's the case that I always yeah. I still like if anybody everybody asked me like if I could solve one case in the world it'd probably be that one um have it solved you know yeah. um anyways in in the YouTube so, chat real quick Kristen Hunter wants oh, yeah. to know if podcasters have agents or yeah. managers um some do I do. I mean I have an agent but it's because of my TV show and they're different so like my agent doesn't yeah. do podcasting stuff. I know like the captain and Nick, they have an agent for their podcast. I don't know what an agent. Oh, really? Uh-oh. Is this, is, is the live stream still going for you? Cause it's froze up for me. Yeah, the chat is still going. Let me see. Yeah. Oh. Uh, no, it looks good. You're frozen. Okay. So I'm frozen. Oh, I think you're good. I think you're good. I think we're good. Okay. Um, hopefully that'll come back. Uh, but yeah, the, um, I don't have an agent, <laughs> but some people, some people do. I don't have any reason to, cause I don't shop, you know, I don't know what an agent would do. Because I don't like look to be on other podcasts and stuff like that. Um, and there was another question that I saw that. Oh, Cindy said, oh, Bob, has anyone told yeah. you that your voice does not sound like you look? Uh, yeah. When I <laughs> when I rebranded from Serial Dynasty to Truth and Justice, uh, I put my image, my picture on my logo. And I was flooded with comments from people saying. And the most common one was, oh, my God, I thought you were an old bald man. <laughs> That's what I got that from everybody. It was like I thought, like I, I'm shocked that you were because at the time I was 35 years old and it, like that's not what I. Yeah, so I get that a lot. Um, 
bald man. Oh, they're like, I thought you looked like I thought you'd be like like, like, like my grandpa. <laughs> um. Okay. Let's see. So we did that. Okay. Um. Amanda asks. Um. Kind of a tougher question, maybe. Uh, does the continuous backlash from unsatis- unsatisfied people, sorry, my Michigan accent came out there, unsatisfied, <laughs> unsatisfied people make you want to quit? Yeah. Does that backlash you? Sometimes. Uh, well, don't you dare, Bob. Yeah. Don't you dare nah, never enough to quit, but I'd be, I would be lying if I didn't say, if I if I didn't admit that there are times where I'm just like, fuck this. But the thing yeah. is, like, what I do I that I truly believe helps people only works with all of you. And so there's no world where I can do what I do without st- – because, like I said, I don't do social media. It's because of those assholes that I don't – I. Right. and it's not just social media. I don't – I don't – Sean T., who was my very first sponsor, if anybody remembers way back, but the fitness guy, Sean T. And I love Sean T. I do too. He's my favorite. <laughs> and we've got we've become amazing so friends. Awesome. Becky and I have gone and had – Yeah, I'm so jealous. Spent a week doing uh we did we did Christmas with them at their place with him and his husband Scott. I know. Um, yeah, Scott, yeah. But he is you know, you and know their babies, so cute. Yeah. And when when we were there, like I remember we were talking and he was just we were talking about somebody and he's like, Why are you messing with those people? And it was and it was somebody in real life that we knew. And he's like right. he's like, I make a point to surround myself with people who bring positivity in my life and I stay away from people who bring negativity in my life. So we just mm-hmm. like this person we were talking about, they're like, he's like, nope. I'd be like, psh, you know how Sean is. He's like, I'm psh, done with you. Yeah. Like, I'm done, like, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, t- and I took that and I really started making, because I was getting really stressed. So like in real life and like through the internet, like I've gone through, I started, but and then the pandemic, like really when I was, you know, at home all the time, I was like yeah. looking at social media and I'm like, Jesus Christ, people like, You'll find anything in the world to, to argue about. And so I started, and, and of course, you, you know my wife, Becky, you know, she's, I was like, oh, sitting, yeah. <laughs> we're sitting there eating dinner one day, and I was scrolling through Facebook, my personal Facebook, and I was like, nope, unfriend, 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 unfriend. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I decided that anybody that makes a post on Facebook, and when I see it, it gives me a reaction to where... I'm either angry or yeah. what I really want to do if I was in real life in person would be like to yell at them or argue with them. But the, then I'm just unfriending them. And it doesn't mean I don't like them in real life, but I'm not going to, I don't s- need to see that. Shit. I don't want to yeah. see your shit. She's like, well, just hide them. Don't, und- they'll know. I'm like, I don't care if they know they can. Know. <laughs> she was just like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, it's the ultimate insult. I'm like, listen, the, I will, oh, if I see them in person, I will tell them I like in person, Erica, I don't like internet, Erica. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I love I your. Internet, I know, I'm Erica. just kidding. I don't really don't do much on the internet anyway. So. Yeah, but I just, <laughs> just started. Just pictures of my dog and my lizard. Yeah, so so it, it puts me in a tight. And honestly, that's a that that played into Mike leaving. It was part of it. Um, sure. Just the negativity. Oh, please don't tell me somebody said something mean about no, mine. No, 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 they didn't. But it was you know because of you know, what we do, he had to be engaged yeah. in the social media right. aspect to do listener questions, stuff like that. And an audience engagement. And it's just exhausting. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And it just, and I've, I've found a place in me where I can just let it just kind of brush it off and just kind of move on and focus on the positive. But it wasn't like that was it, but that definitely was, it was like it, it, that he was tired of staring at a computer screen. He was 
tired. He was, he was having trouble with his ears from being in headphones all the time. And then just the constant negativity and just, and he was just, it was all just too yeah. much. So yeah, yeah I'd like be lying it. if I said that it doesn't, and it's not like I feel insulted. Like I don't give two, if somebody comes on, goes online and, and says they hate what I do and they, it's not like I'm offended personally, but it's just like, God damn, I don't want to spend the, like, stop listening. Yeah. It's energy. Yeah. It's like, you're yeah. just, like what you're just like, if anybody has watched the show and if you haven't, you should, uh, what they do in the shadows on Hulu, uh, Oh, I, sh- oh, I, I need I need a new show. It's okay, hilarious. It's hilarious. Okay, They're in a new season. Oh, I need a good comedy. Great. But but there is a uh, they they have an, an an energy vampire, and that's what I feel like these people are. <laughs> that's yes, exactly. It's, it's like why do you do it? But it it is exhausting. So there's definitely there are days. I have a I have a number that I've figured out. Um, and and if I ever hit the, if I, which I probably won't, but if I ever were to hit that number, uh, I will see if I would follow through. But I was like, if if we have this much money then no one will ever hear from me again. It'll be like, poof, <laughs> my, the, the social media will be gone. The podcast will be gone. It It'll not- be a new true crime case of like, is he finally the one guy who met, went missing? And it's actually because he just picked up his life and left. Right. <laughs> That's always the theory, but it's never the case. Yeah. But, but the, but the, the part that, t- that, 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 um, that tears at me with it is I love what I do. And I love being a part of, this group of amazing human beings that are helping to do it. It's, but it's like, it, man, there's a lot that comes with that. So like, yeah. Right. So when I'm really having one of those moments, I'm like, if we hit this much money and it's not that much, but I'll take the, the number is four. If you ever hear me say $4 million, you give me $4 million. Cause I'm pretty, we're only four, I'm 43. So, you know, for me to retire forever, like, <laughs> like it takes, it'll take, take yeah, four mil. yeah. It's like $4 million. <laughs> no one will ever hear from me ever again. But then I think about it, I was like, but could I really, and I don't think that I really could. Right. But I, I would, know, exactly. but yeah, I would exactly. have a whole different attitude. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> be a lot more fuck you going around. <laughs> right, right. I, I would, I get that Robbie Ashadri energy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Hell yes, please. Um, well, let's see. Uh, Amanda also asked what a little bit of a lighter question. What's like your normal day to day activities as a podcaster? Not what you'd think. Um, it's bu- it's busier than than. It's oh yeah, yeah. Tying back into the last question, there are people that are like, "Why don't you put an episode every day?" And that's what I, when I get the you know this season because we're doing a lot of interviews. People are like, "I feel like Bob's just mailing it in." Uh, not just me, but me and the whole team. We're just mailing it in. It's like you have mm-hmm. ask my wife what time of day she gets to see me. Usually, right. it's nine, ten, eleven. Like, well, right now I'm doing this is kind of fun, but it's eight thirty at night. I'm still out here working. That's my fault, guys. I have a day job, right? <laughs> but I would be anyway. There's always stuff going on, right? Um, but yeah. So basics. Monday morning, I come in. Monday is is ad day, admin day. So. That's the day I record all the ads, um, and generally that's when Erica will schedule true crime binge interviews on Monday or Tuesday. So I might have to research for an interview. Uh, I got to record ads, which that's not as easy as recording. You don't have to research; you just have to read the notes. Right, research that, has been done. That's what I call research. I highlight. <laughs> I go through. <laughs> yeah, because my notes are another book chapter that you actually have to take notes on my notes. Oh probably. no, they, this is, these are some scripts <laughs> that I wrote. Um, but yeah, but yeah, like I'll go through your notes and I'll read and I usually I'll listen to some of the podcast. Uh, and then 
And like the ad copy, like here's an example, like this was BetterHelp. I just had to do this one yesterday. Um, you know, it's not as simple as, even that is not as simple as, like, they don't send oh. me a copy and I'm just like, all right, uh, today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. They send you, some are good, some are not so good, but they'll send you like this thing that's like, we want you to talk about this, 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 and this. Here's 25 bullet points. Pick a few of those. Put through some personal experience and do this. Do this. So then I have to write a script for the ads. So I go through and I write it, which that's easier now that we do the dynamic ones. But it used to be, I used to have to do eight to 10 of those every Monday um, oh. when we were doing all baked ins. So, I, so I'll record the ads and then, and then it depends. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be starting. One thing that's always going on is that I'm researching the case and I'm, and I'm working right. on angles from the case. This particular case we're working on right now in truth and justice is like this crazy spider web that goes every direction. Um, no kidding. And so it's just constant like rabbit trails. So ideally in a normal week, Monday, I do ads, I do true crime binge interview, um, and I do a lot of admin stuff. You know, I have to pay bills and do payroll and, and stuff like that. Um, and then Tuesday starts the research, which ideally by Tuesday, I have an idea of Tuesday's the day I decide what the episode's going to be about. So like I'm researching the case i'm reading things and i'll find something but it's it's tough because you might you know if, say okay well we're, i'm going to talk about forensics this episode so you start reading trial testimony about forensics and then it's referencing reports and start reading reports but but a lot of times what happens is you'll be reading that report and it'll mention something in there that'll be like wait a minute i didn't know that and then you go find that report it's talking about then you end up going down this rabbit trail in another direction and I'm I'm on the phone to people connected to the case. I'm talking to lawyers. I'm doing so, you know, and, and just going all over the place. Um, and the, so that and that'll generally Tuesdays I'll be in the office till nine ten o'clock at night. A lot of times, mm-hmm. Wednesdays uh, I get get up in the morning. Zach comes Wednesday mornings, and we record the follow up. And then in the afternoon I continue with research. Hopefully by then I know what the week's episode is about. Um, cause a lot of times it'll be, I'll have like a yellow pad that's full of notes, a computer screen that is full of, I clear off all of the, um, the icons off my desktop every, every Friday. So like every time, like as I'm finding files because, cause the case right. file is a 10,000 page document. So if I'm right. pulling, so I'm pulling stuff out and separating like it stuff, yeah. and naming it stuff. And I'm like, okay, so here's that one. I'm, I'll def- put a pin in that, put a pin in that, put a pin in that, put a pin in that. And sometimes it'll be like. My 27 inch screen is full of all the stuff that I worked on that week. And then it's like, shit. So then by Thursday, I have no choice. I have to decide what the episode's about so that I can write the script. And then, and then it's like outlining, uh, you know, so say we're talking about forensics, like, okay, so I've got, there was a DNA or we're gonna talk about DNA. There was a DNA specialist that testified at trial. So we got her trial testimony, got the original report. I've got the, and I'll organize, you know, the officers who collected it, the photos from the scene, where it came from, any conflicts that I know that, that have come up with it, and I'll kind of put those in order, and then start to write a script for that, uh, because I'm supposed to have the episode to Kelly by the end of the day on Thursday, so that she can edit it, and a lot of times, there's times when, now lately we've been doing interviews, which is easy. Because I, once I've decided, so let me back up. So that's a normal week. When we're doing these interviews, then it's like, okay, we're going to do an interview this week on Truth and Justice is going to be, which will be probably a couple weeks ago for you guys listening to this, uh, is going to be a, the Jessica Henry interview. 
So I have to, and it's not as it's like, oh, here's an interview. Boom, boom. I have to listen to it. I've got to redact stuff out of it, get all the information for my own investigative purposes, go back through it and, and clean up the sound everywhere. Make sure all the redactions are there, put in pauses and markers for ads and stuff. Send that off to Kelly for her to then go through it again and then record an intro, record an outro. And those are great because sometimes I can knock that out by like Tuesday and I ship it off to Kelly and then I can start looking into the next thing. But in a, ideally like in a, in a, a world where you're just trying to be productive it'd be like, cool, let me start working on next week's episode. But that's not how I work because what I really want to do is investigate the case. So instead I dig into the case and I go a million different directions all over the place and then on Monday, I'm like, ah, shit, which one of these things am I going to talk about this week? And then we got to narrow all that down. Um, but yeah, so I, I usually send on a normal week when we're doing a normal scripted episode. By Thursday night, I send that to Kelly. And then uh, and then Kelly edits on Friday morning. By Friday afternoon, she sends it to Shane for music scoring and stuff. Gets back to Kelly. And then she posts it on, on Saturday. And then Friday is another it's like a lot of admin days and button up loose ends and it's more me doing just full investigative stuff prepping for monday all over again and then you got to mix in whatever social media i got to do in there and people commenting on facebook those are the days that really fuck on me is like somebody will make a facebook post and i'll be like oh yeah that's a really good point three hours later i'm still on facebook talking to people and i'm like shit but it's part of the job so it's yeah. right. Oh yeah. So, no, I get it. That must be yeah. There is tough. no typical week, but if there is one, that's what it looks like. That's what it's supposed to look like. That's the yeah. goal, and then right. the rest of the time, it's just trying to yeah. I have the same. I have set myself up with my own kind of like day to day goal, like for just for true crime binge. You know, on Mondays I do this, on Tuesdays I do this, et cetera, et cetera. But then of course, like that's the that's the ideal. Rarely does it ever actually happen. <laughs> right. Also, sometimes my slave driving. Uh, production manager has me do like two interviews on Monday and two interviews on Tuesday. Excuse me. When that happened and you totally put that on me, that was your fault. You scheduled <laughs> two of those interviews and I was already working on scheduling the other two. Yeah. So sometimes Monday and Tuesdays get pretty wild because I'll have. Those were, yeah, that was a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> and people like, by the way, if you're listening and if you're ever on True Crime Binge, and you, you want to be on that Zoom call right on time because I'm da- if, if it's a day where I have one, I'll sit there and wait. If it's a day when I've got two and I'm completely backed up, with, I'll be like, oh, let's start yeah, at 10. It's, it's 10.02. I guess they're not coming. <laughs> Click. <laughs> then Erica has to reschedule it. <laughs> and that is a pain in the ass, let me tell you. <laughs> no, it's all good fun, though. Um, okay, let's see. Moving on. Let's go to... Being a podcaster, oh, this is from Emma Norman. Being a podcaster, especially with all of the research you do with Truth and Justice, sounds pretty full on, as you just described. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you imagine yourself doing it for years to come, or do you think you'll want to change your career direction at any point? I, I don't. I don't see myself changing career. It, it's. It's Good a, answer, Bob. Good answer. As long as you guys keep <laughs> listening and I'm able to continue like paying the bills and stuff doing this, then I'll keep I'll, I'll keep doing it. Um, well, Valeria mentioned in the chat earlier, if, let us know when you're getting close to your four million goal and we'll, all of the Patreons will cancel it. So they have to keep podcasting. <laughs> right. I have uh, I'm less than three percent of the way there. Uh, 
Um, uh, way less. I that's not even quick math. Um, nowhere near. We need that. <laughs> I need that crypto to really come through for me. Yeah. How's that going for you, Bob? I haven't heard any crypto updates. In we're in a bear market right now. It's not great. <laughs> Just I heard you, you very quickly. You stopped talking about crypto. You were talking about it a lot for Is a while. It, mine's not as bad as Justin from Gen Y. He he like invested a whole uh-huh. bunch right at the top of the market and it dumped down when I saw him at CrimeCon. Oh no! He showed me. I was like, oh dude, you got it away the wrong time. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, but I, I I can't see myself doing everything else as long as people are listening and participating. Then then I will continue doing that. But that being said. The industry is changing too, and it, it has. Yes. To be honest with you, if I'm being very transparent, nobody, there's not a lot of, not a lot of people that I know that like come from like a business world. That's my background. So like I was, you know, my degrees are in fire science, business administration. I was a fire chief. I manage and and I've studied macroeconomics for a long time, and it's it's something that I'm really into in finance. Um, and so like. I've been looking at, at the economy saying, ooh, like, I think that we have a recession coming since last fall. Uh, and everybody told me I was crazy. Uh, and my concern has been that our industry has never existed in a recession because we've been in like a, the, the economy in general has been in like a 12 uh, a year bull market, you know, since, yeah. since after we came out of the, the, the 2008 financial crisis. And, you know, podcasting didn't really become a big thing for, you know, as far as a business until like 2010, 11, 12, and then really into like 2015. I was um, going to say, yeah, even I think even later than that, where people have really like the like capitalism has really kind of made its way into podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> finally. Well, yeah. So two things are happening. One is, you know, just a concern I have just from a macroeconomic scale is, um, you know, and we don't make some do. I don't. I don't make you know a lot of money. I make a good a good living. We're able to employ a few people and you know do our thing. But uh, I know from economics that when the economy gets rough, the first thing to go is usually marketing budgets. Podcasters make their living off of advertising. So I now personally, because I've seen this, I've been really battening down the hatches for like nine months <laughs> like i'm like the only like when the sun's shining i'm the one that's out there like banging like two by fours on the windows <laughs> like i'm like the storm's <laughs> coming guys and no one's <laughs> listening to me so uh so there's that i don't know what i think i don't know what's going to happen hopefully things you know turn around with the economy um but also uh somebody you know when um Kristen mentioned earlier asked me about having an agent like the industry was always it was it was the the age of the independent content creator. Yes, and that's yes. going away. There's still plenty of mm-hmm. independent creators that are making podcasts, but they're not running businesses because the TV right. industry you can't break in anymore. Yeah, yeah the TV mm-hmm. industry has um, seen the value in the podcasting business, and they're buying it all up. So, like, I've taken meetings with people who you know are interested in having me host other shows and stuff. Um, I did when it was somebody I worked with on my TV shows. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have taken the meeting, but um, they wanted to talk to me about hosting some show. And mm-hmm. so I, t- I talked to them and they're like, yeah, we're putting together a package and then we're going to, uh, we're going to pitch it to this. And I'm like, this sound, it's like the industry is turning into the TV industry where it's run by big networks and big production houses. 
that are putting together packages and then pitching. So like when I made my TV show, that's how we did right. it. Like John Cryer came to me, right. wanted to right. make the show. We got a production team together. We shot a sizzle reel, which is like a trailer. And then we scheduled meetings with HBO and Netflix and Hulu and CNN and Oxygen and all these places. And you go into these meetings, give them your pitch, you play your trailer, and then you see if they're going to buy it. Well, that's what's ha- hmm. that's how the podcasting industry is that's what it's turning it's into. Becoming, yeah. yeah. And so I don't know what that's. So as somebody who is independent, has always been independent, has turned down offers for some of these big companies to buy my show, you know, over the years, because I want to remain independent. I'm like, Oh, I hope, right. I hope I didn't fuck up there because I don't know like what, what's going to happen to us independent creators during the time. So not to be a, not I, to be a bummer, but no, I kind of get, like, I get, cause I totally recognize everything that you're saying, but I think, I feel like like you and a lot of the, the independent podcasts, like generation Y and uh, true crime garage. And generation all them, Y like, is not independent. They sold to Wondery. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, okay. Well, I guess what I mean by, well, cause then, so wait, are you independent? But you're Wondery. Well, I, my podcast is hosted on Wondery, but I own my podcast. But it's not. I see. Wondery okay. I, owns I, Generation I Y. So if you I look see, like the, the Wondery logos I'm on the thing. I'm a scientist. I yeah. do science. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I don't know if a lot of people <laughs> know that, but that's like part of what I'm saying. No, like I, they're, yeah. They're kind of creeping in. Right. So that, yeah, that makes sense. Because what I was going to say, but that kind of changed that a little bit, I guess, because now I don't know who's who's independent, who's not. But my thought was that the, those that are already kind of established are probably safe. You know, their followers will continue. I think so. Nick and Captain with True Crime Garage, they're still independent. Right. Uh, And it's just, it'll just be hard to break in a new podcast without a production. Instead of having your buddy Mike be a producer, now you've got to hire some, somebody who went to college for producing, Mm -hmm. you know, that it's all these big budget um, projects now. So it's a little bit harder to, So the. but I, I, I like, that makes me so sad because I think what was so valuable about podcasting is the freedom that the creators have you know i love it and, and i i hate that the funny one person who saw this coming years ago uh who i thought was was nuts was mike you know he, i remember him saying years ago he's like this isn't gonna go, this can't go on forever like no all I these independent this people yeah. that are like yeah. making these making making good money doing this like you know somebody's the, gonna catch on yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody's gonna catch on big business <laughs> is gonna come in yeah um yeah and so We'll see. So the, the short answer to the question is I'll keep doing this as, as long as I can do it. I don't foresee anything bad, but I'm, I'm definitely a, uh, remember I was a fire chief. My job was at fire scenes to constantly assess risk and mitigate and create plans. So my mind's always, besides making the podcast is like, okay, like what might be coming down the road to keep the, keep things going here. Sure. Well, I think I speak for all of us when we say, yes, please never stop podcasting <laughs> keep listen. listen if all of you just well, go to yeah, patreon listeners, that means you all need to keep listening yeah, yeah just everybody go to patreon and we'll just pay me independently and then i'll pay everybody <laughs> through that and then fun. don't have to worry about it yeah <laughs> that might be illegal i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> no. all right um let's see um i did have a couple of west memphis three questions in the chat do you want to go there or I have some other just kind of more. Yeah, we can questions. buzz through some some pretty quickly. We've been sure. we've been pretty long, so we'll try to zip through some of these. That's not being so long winded. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, all right. So somebody was asking just generally, do we have any updates on West Memphis three? Have Damien's lawyers filed an appeal for that um, judge's decision recently? 
they filed a notice to appeal. Uh, they haven't filed right. the actual appeal yet. It's just going to be it's going to be a slow road from here because we're in the appeals process, and the way the appeals process works is, you know, and I'm just giving examples. This isn't the actual numbers, but it'd be like you have you know 90 days, three months to file an appeal. Then after you file that, the state has three months to file a response, and then after they file the response, you have a month to file a rebuttal to that, and then. Six months later, the judges will look at it and they may schedule a hearing a year after that. And then you go to the hearing, you know, so it's not going to be a quick process, um, but we'll keep you updated when anything needs to be done. I I talked to Damien regularly and um, we've got some ideas for some fundraising things. So um, I I will let you know when and and we're still working on uh, getting with some. some politicians about changing the law so that could speed things along too, but we'll let you know. Sounds good. And then um, somebody asked just kind of generically about the guy at Bojangles for West Memphis three. So, you know, the guy showed up um, at the Bojangles, Mm -hmm. bloody, muddy, et cetera. And the police called on and this um, it's a account called Sluice investigates. I don't know what their name is, but um, they were asking whether um, he was a truck driver, but I was kind of wondering just generically, like did, did anybody ever find anything out about him or what, what was going on there? I mean, mean, my opinion is he was a local crack addict, which is common in that area. still this day in that area, somebody that just stumbled in there and is completely unrelated to the crime. Um, if you go back and listen to season five, it's a long drawn out. We just spend a lot of time investigating that on the TV show. We brought in some experts on stuff and it just doesn't make sense that the person connected to the crime would be the Bojangles man. Sure. I agree. I actually do have a couple questions directed towards me, (laughs) but I think they're kind of a lot of them are, we could probably both tackle them a little bit. So um, Valeria asked, how do we go about selecting podcasts, especially now that we've done 99 different podcasts Uh or different guests? Um, And I will say for me, uh, since I've, you know, been scheduling for the last 55 or so episodes, I will say most of those come from um, either your recommendations, the listeners' recommendations, or people reach out to us to be on the show. So a lot of that is kind of my work is done for me, which I always appreciate. Um, But then otherwise, you know, I just kind of, I, you know, search around for recommendations on other, in other places. And then I kind of do a quick, you know, look into the podcast or the person and then, you know, reach out. So, yeah. And for me too, sometimes there'll be one that I'll, that I might listen to or hear about and check out and I'll be like, Hey, let's try to get these people on. Um, but a lot of times it'll be, you know, somebody will post something either on the true crime binge page or on the truth and justice page. It says like, Oh my God, I just binged this, but I just screenshot one today. Uh, from the yep, truth yep, justice. I saw that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're like, I just binge, binge this thing and it's so good. You guys should check it out. And then usually I'm, I'll mm-hmm. tag Erica like, Hey, go find these people. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So your recommendations guys are super helpful. Keep those coming. Um, we definitely look into almost all, we look into every single recommendation and almost all of them make, end up making it on the show. So, um, please feel free to give us more recommendations. Except for my favorite murder. Yeah. We know about them. <laughs> We know about that. We will get them. But if but if anybody listening knows 
somebody who can help out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They're too big time for me. (laughs) Yes, they are. They are big time, big time, big time. Hey, you don't have a tour around the country with live shows. So they are definitely. Listen, (laughs) Patrick and Jillian had their show on fucking Broadway. On Broadway. What? They had their live show. I did not know that. On Broadway. That's fucking cool. Yeah. And they, Wait, they are like too big for their show? bridges. What's that? Was it like their pod- it was their yeah. podcast, but on Broadway? Yeah, that you know, they tour and do True Crime Obsessed live all over the country. Yeah. And yeah, they, yeah. they like had a week on Broadway. It's insane. Bob, you need to do a true crime bench tour. I know. Totally. But I but see the thing is they've got five million people that listen. So like yeah, well, okay, anywhere well, they go, we they can a pack more a room. Them. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> if I can get fifty people in a room, then that'd be great. I bet well, I got I got a big family. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you did bring your, your boyfriend and was did your parents come too to our live show? So, and- yeah, my parents <laughs> literally like I think half the people at the Grand Rapids show was people who I <laughs> <Yeah>. knew me. <laughs> so that's where I'm from for the listeners. Uh. <laughs> um okay all right so yes um that's kind of how we pick out our guests mostly recommendations are you all right there what's going yeah, on there's a gnat in here and it keeps landing on my <laughs> windscreen it's driving me nuts so the whole audio is just gonna be <laughs> yeah <laughs> just keeps buzzing right, right here by my eye so annoying it's the worst um, somebody, or Valeria also asked, um, has anyone ever turned down, dur- turned down an invitation to appear on True Crime Binge? And I put this one in here because I'm not going to name names, but yes, it's very rare. It's only happened, I think, three times total now it's since I've been working with the podcast, at least. One recently happened that, that kind of chapped my ass, and I'm going to have... Oh, my mind. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. I was yeah. kind of upset. And I, and, and I know <laughs> that person. Per, know, like we're like friends. Like, <laughs> I know. Well, she like she obviously doesn't know who I am, but like she complimented my shirt once. Like she, <laughs> I was like, she's so nice. Yeah. I was so surprised. And I, I assume there's reasons we don't understand. Yeah. But. And I actually recorded an interview with her two years ago for the show. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Um, and Did then, it ever air? No, because for legal reasons. She reached out to me. She's like, I'm so sorry, but see, and I think that might be the same situation now. So I don't know. So, yeah, so we have been turned down a few times. Um, Most of the time it's just for, or at least our impression is that it's because of sort of legal ish reasons or people being afraid to say something that they might get in trouble for. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'll name a few names. I shouldn't. (laughs) It's your podcast. You do it. (laughs) At, well, Ashley Flowers yes, drives good. me nuts. I've had a million that audio. That was my first projection. Yeah, yeah. I've had a yeah. million audio Chuck shows on, and I've I've talked to her, and I think what you it had is Delia D'Ambra on at least once. Yeah, I've had a Delia on twice. Yeah, like like a yeah. Bunch, that's why I thought you had her on um, twice. Catherine yeah. Townsend, I've had on like is, mm-hmm. did an audio like a bunch of them. I know Ash. So Ashley's from Granger, which is like right. five Super minutes from close. me. I met her. Um, she reached out to me one time and was like, "Hey, I'm going to be in town. You want to meet meet and have a drink sometime?" And so, like, I went and had drinks with her and her husband, and we chatted. She was super nice, and we talked a little bit about it then. And uh, and I was like, and I know ever anybody that's 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 saying like, "Oh, the plagiarism." Like, I, I know there's more to that, and that's kind of like a, like we talk about yeah, that. A lot to that. And and um, 
you know, it's good. Like I did with Payne Lindsay, like he had some beef too. Like, just come on and we can chat chat about it. And, um, but yeah, she's every time it's like, "Mm, no, you can, (laughs) Ashley's not going to come. Well, no, cause yeah, she told you to like, she told you to tell me to reach out to her people. And I did. And they were like, they were like, "Mm, no. And I was like, what? Like, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and of yeah. course the my favorite murder people. Um, well, they haven't rejected us. They have no. Yeah, that's they just right. Don't they, know just, about us. they just ignored <laughs> they just us. <laughs> They've ignored us. everything. Yeah. We reached out. Yeah, they haven't rejected us. They just yeah, yeah, <laughs> unaware. Yeah, but they're, they're yeah, they're, there's there there's so few of them that I could I could name the other two. Very few. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen very often, but it happens occasionally. It does not. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, and um. That uh, and I don't know that she rejected the offer, but she's really big time. But that Bailey, I can't remember her last name. The lady that does the makeup on YouTube. Oh, I'm not. I'm not the person. I know who you're talking about, but I don't know. Bailey, Sarian, or something. Yes, something like that. Yeah, I I think I only know because you've talked about it before. (laughs) Yeah, and she's like now doing like an audio version on on Audio Boom, which is where True Crime Bitch is hosted. Like I reached out to. Like my people at Audio Boom, and I'm like, reach out to her people. I'd love to have her on, and I don't know that that she turned us down, but I never heard back. Just never heard back. Yeah, yeah. that's different from I don't consider those rejections. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just for my own, so I can sleep at night. <laughs> right. Um. Okay. Uh. Back to me. <laughs> <laughs> more about you, Jenna. <laughs> yes, more on me. Uh, Jenna asked how I do my research. Um, I kind of want to know that too. You know, Bob's already, no, Bob's. You've already told them. I, you know, I get my go bag together with all my surveillance. Your night vision goggles. Yeah, and then I spend about you know usually three or four days staking out their house, <laughs> and that's that's really all there is to it. It's pretty easy. Our travel budget uh, is no. outrageous. Yeah, yeah, that's the reason Bob can't uh, quit podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> he's got for all my trips. No, uh, no, really. Um, I literally, I start with Google. Uh, I do, you know, I Google the podcast or the person or both. Um, I, if I can, if they have a website, I start with their website, any info they have on there. Um, you know, I feel like it's any, whatever they have on their website, obviously they must be comfortable talking about. So I can put that in there. So mm-hmm. if they have a website, great. Um, for those of the more famous of our guests have like Wikipedia pages or like news interviews, I'll find those online. Um, and pull some info from there. But for those of the hosts that we have or the guests that we have that are not really like public figures or anything where there's really no information out there, um, I literally, I just go through, I don't, I don't even know if I should reveal my secrets, but I just I go through, <laughs> I go through their social media. It's like usually it's Instagram and I mean, even the most private people, you'd be shocked by what you can find. If like you the can, names if you of their cats. <laughs> exactly. People post so many details. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it doesn't take long to find like really specific information. But I also want to take this time to say why the creepy facts became a thing. Because <laughs> early on, when I was starting off doing notes for Bob, I wanted you know, I feel like I needed to have something there. And so for the people who really don't, aren't public figures, don't have a lot of info out there about them. I ended up going to their social media and like just finding like really specific things about them, but it was all I had. So I had to put it down and then now it's become a thing. Yeah. And their reactions were priceless. And I know that one of the questions we have is like, what's the creepiest fact? Like there is yes, no, like, I was supposed to go to that next. Yes. Yeah. There's like no one creepiest fact. Like, 
any fact is creepy when it's something mm-hmm. so so minutia, you know, like like oh, you uh, you graduated fourth in your class from uh, you know Ivy Tech or whatever back into like anything like that. People are like, what? If it's something they don't talk about on their podcast, but it's just like something about their personal life, like the the reactions. If you guys could see the videos when we're doing the Zoom, are priceless because there's like, a pregnant pause. Yeah, yeah there's like what. <laughs> Why, why do you know that? <laughs> like your sister-in-law just had a baby and its name is Alicia. And they're like, <laughs> what the fucking fuck is like? <laughs> Literally though. And yeah, and Bob doesn't even, he doesn't always met, like mention them. So there's more that you guys don't know about. So yes. Yeah, so Valeria did ask, uh, what is the weirdest fun fact I've ever found? And like Bob said, I don't know if there's a weirdest one because they're all weird yeah. and I don't try Like, I'm not trying to find like incriminating things, just like light, you know, innocent things, yeah. but I will give a shout out. I went back through some of my old notes, like some of my first notes that uh-huh. I did for you. And I, um, shout out to Crimepedia, our good friends, Morgan and Cherry over at Crimepedia. Uh-huh. I went back through the notes when we had them on and, uh, just so you all know, Cherry loves to go walking on the beach in her wellies. She's from the UK. <laughs> yeah. And Morgan's favorite hobby is yard work. So there you go. There's a little taste of information you never thought you would know about. Yeah. And, and sometimes there's two reasons that you don't hear all of them. Like, like one, one is like, so like the, the one we just had, like Kristen and Mogab come on, like, when we get on and we immediately have a chemistry and we start going and riffing and there's and like like then it's like it's off the chart and I'll reference back to them yeah. maybe to bring something <laughs> yeah. up but we just go and then the other one is like when like I'll read it and it'll it, and it'll be like oh this person has no sense of humor at all <laughs> so I'm not going to mention like I don't even want to explain to them why I right. know what their cat's name is I'm just gonna move on <laughs> right there are definitely interviews there's some interviews where I'm like literally watching the clock on the recorder because so i'll give you guys a little if i can move this so like my setup, say with your with your right whoa here, like right over yeah, there your background makes that look extra trippy oh i forgot about the <laughs> oh shit yeah i'm actually <laughs> in my living room <laughs> but so yeah th- so this is the studio so that computer's recording i'm on this computer that is super trippy <laughs> Yeah, and there's there's uh, the wall of fame over oh, there. Oh yes, the wall of infamy. Yeah, Shanti, I see you. Yep, and then there's uh, yeah, the other side of the of the whole room. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely interviews where I am like, Jesus Christ, like it's like, oh, yeah. it's been 22 minutes. It's, I feel like it's like few and far between. But yeah, every once in a while, like, yeah. how do I get this person to talk for eight more minutes? What we could do, and then there's yeah, other some one. people are just not chatty. Yeah, and and again, it is few and far between. Um, but there's definitely, but you know, most of them, especially if we get to like, we're having fun, I'll be like, we'll be going, I'll be like, well, like with Kristen Mogab, I had, uh, I had a hard out that day and I was like, oh shit, yeah, we've got seven minutes left and she hasn't even gotten to the case. And she's so badly. The funniest part was when you were like, we have 17 minutes left for the, to discuss this case. And Kristen just went, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just started laughing because she obviously had something completely prepared. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. And originally the format was like the case was. Because this started on Truth and Justice in season nine, and it was the case was really just to, it was kind of like a backup. Like, let's just chat about you and your podcast, and we'll have a case to talk about in case like we need something to fill the time. And then it got to be like right. a format thing. And some people are like fine with it. And then like Kristen was like, 
no, wait, I, I have to talk. <laughs> like, what do you mean 17 minutes? I, I, I'm going to go through. And she did it. She got through yeah. every single point of that case in that amount of time. I know she did. She did a stellar job. Yeah. Holy cow. There was some chat about having wine and crime on. Have we, we, you've not had wine and crime on. I always have to go back to the I don't think so. episode list I have. There's so many podcasts that are named like wine or something. So I, I know. Remember. I know. No, I, cause we had crime, cults, crimes and Cabernet, but we didn't right. think we've had, I don't know if we had a wine and crime, but if we haven't, I'm surprised. Cause I know they're very, we'll get on it. Popular. I was going to say, I'm, I'm, there's a probably a really good chance that I've reached out to him before and they didn't respond or something. Let me actually, I can actually pull that up. I keep track of everybody I've tried to talk to. Let's go through. Cause we are about 50 minutes yes. longer than I thought we'd go. And so let's just do a, a, a blitz round of just real quick answers okay. to the questions you have left. Sounds good. Let's see. All right. So this is from Alexis looking back to where you were when you started in podcasting and still working for the fire department to where podcasting is taking you now traveling across the country and internationally meeting all types of people. How has this new career changed you or your views? And do any particular experiences over these past several years in podcasting stand out as a particularly unexpected or meaningful? There you go. Nice, easy one for you. Yeah, so that's not going to be a short <laughs> answer. So what we're going to do is that'll be the last question because all right. I do want to, I want to answer that. And it's a long one. It's changed. I know me. it's a good, it was a great question. This is changed. So where I live, I live in the Midwest. I live in a very rural part of of Michigan. So when people think Michigan, they think Detroit or Lansing, but I'm not. That's not where I'm at. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very conservative part, both politically and just traditionally, a conservative part of the of the country of the state. Uh, and so you live in kind of this bubble. And people always talk about the people in Hollywood live in a bubble, and they do. Um, yes, do. But there's all there's also like this bubble that I've lived in here, and it's open. It's it's changed me a ton. Getting out and meeting people and getting to know and understanding people from all different walks of life, different different races, different religions, you know, uh, sexual orientation, even all these things. There's not anything I was accustomed to. So. The way I was ra- – literally the city I live in was voted re- – was, was Reader's Digest's nicest place in America two years ago. Like if you what? look up like the 2019 Reader's Digest nicest place in America, it's Buchanan, Michigan. That's the tiny town that I live in. No shit. Yeah. I'm not surprised it's in Michigan because I know Michigan's gotten a lot of those little like accolades over yeah. the years. But I'm a little surprised about Buchanan. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, our population is five like 5,000 people. Yeah. And – and I say that because, so I didn't grow up with racism, with hate, with anything like that, but there's still this bubble here. And, and, and this is what I mean by it. And, and it's, it's taught me to have a lot of grace with people and try to, um, the way that I approach people, even like, like people that I'm related to people that I'm friends with, um, and I've, I've learned what that bubble means. So what I mean by that, like I grew up with parents that taught me that, that, you know, obviously racism's bad and it doesn't matter what color somebody is and we should be, we should mm-hmm. love everybody. And this. so mm-hmm. they, they taught me those fundamental values, but I didn't realize that there is what I like to re- refer to now as kind of like 
accidental racism or incident or, 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 you know what I mean? Right. And, and, and right. Yeah. Unintentional racism, maybe. Yeah. 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 Where it's like in, in their mind, they're not like, they're like, I'm not racist. Like I love all people. I do. But like little things people might say. Um, right. And then also not having a perspective on the rest of the world. So for example, right. when you would see a, and I've talked about a little bit this on true crime binge, but like you would see, um, you know, a police shooting. You know, where, you know, a cop shoots an unarmed black man in the street and he's mm-hmm. fighting. Mm-hmm. And like the people that I grew up around who were, you know, they're the nicest people in America. Right. But they're they, they're not racist, but they would. And and they would say, well, obviously, don't resist. That's his fault. Like if, if you would just. Right. Yeah. If you didn't do anything wrong, then why did he spray? Yeah. yeah like, if uh, you yeah. would if you wouldn't fight with the cops and run away from the cop. And, right. and, and th- that's what I'm getting at. So like. I, I know because, yeah. because I know these people that they're not intending to be hateful. They're not intended like, like they generally, because if you, if you type that out in black and white, like, yeah, some of those people, they probably wouldn't have got shot if they hadn't mm-hmm. resisted, if they just followed the law enforcement and it's, it's this bubble yeah. that they yeah. live in. And, and I, and I, mm-hmm. and I correct it now I speak out and correct it. Like when I hear, conversations like that happen and i'll say like what i learned when i spent you know a couple weeks in baltimore and met some not only baltimore cops but people that live in the inner cities in baltimore right is when you see him resisting that officer what you don't see is the five previous interactions that he had with officers we live and it might not even been him or his family members, you right. know, his friends and all the interactions they've had and the people he's, he's seen, he or she has seen, you know, being uh, treated poorly by law enforcement, right. you know. And by poorly, I mean, like, literally you're walking down the street with your friends and they'll get out, knock you to the ground, beat the shit out of you, frisk you, call it a stop yep. and frisk. And, yep. and that's not, you know, like stop and frisk or like, Freddy well, if you Gray. don't have anything yeah. to hide, then what's the problem? Well, because you have never... Right. We would, we don't live we've in never a world. Lived that life. Yeah. yeah. We've never mm-hmm. lived in a world with ever that ever happened to us. Exactly. So if you just write it on a piece of paper, it seems fair, but you don't, you know, like talk to Michael A. Wood, who was a Baltimore cop, who was a whistleblower, came right. out and he's like, we would beat the shit out of people and kick that, you know, and plant evidence yeah. and do this. So of course they're resisting because they know what you're going to do, whether they did anything wrong or not. Um, I was actually just listening to an old Generation Y episode today while I was working, and they were talking about, um, they were talking about Freddie Gray's case and police brutality in general, and they were, you know, they were saying, you know, of course, a lot of people who have not had, you know, good relationships with law enforcement or their community hasn't had good relationships with law enforcement, like they're more afraid of what's going to happen to them in the care of law enforcement or under the, you know, jurisdiction of law enforcement than they are what's going to happen to them on the streets. Right. You know, they're, it's not, it's not necessarily to say that something even had to happen to them directly or somebody they know directly. They just, they're afraid of what could happen because they yeah. know what could happen. Yeah. And, and so, so it's, so thing one is it's taught me those perspectives. Talk to, it's taught me to look at the world through the lens, you know, because, you know, I have, I have friends now that live in all these different communities. I have friends, you know, like Robbie has a dear friend of mine who happens to be Muslim and, mm-hmm. you know, friends of mine that are, you know, I've always had some black friends, but, you know, people that are, you know, I have black friends that live in Baltimore in the inner cities mm-hmm. that deal with this stuff and different down South, yeah. like at eights and stuff that, that deal with that. I have, 
friends of all different sexual orientations now, mm-hmm. and I have a better understanding of their uh, of other people's perspectives. I still I can never truly understand it, right. you know, because I just I, I I as I always say, I'm the most privileged person in the world. I'm a straight white man, like in the Midwest. Like it's pretty easy to be me. Um, but I've, but I, but I, I at least have an appreciation for all these different perspectives on life and it's changed me a lot. Uh, but, the, but then the frustrating part from that becomes, well, because I mean, I've, I've, I feel like I've made actual impact with 70 year old men having that particular conversation about police brutality, you know, where I've said like, you don't know, man, like, because I, because yeah. I, I, I offered some grace and had a conversation with them. And, and so the other side of that is that like our world has lost the ability to have those conversations. It's always like us against them and, and, and attack and fight and, and demean and cancel, whatever, the, whatever it's going to be that mm-hmm. everybody just draws this line in the sand and they have to be on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And I just wish that that's why we started the podcast, Bob and weave and ended up not, you know, I we, know. Just, we ran out Hashtag of time to do it. Yeah, I wish I told you my I schedule, um, I know, but that was one of those things. And it was, it was genuine with such big ambition. And it was, it was literally like, yeah, let's just start a conversation where people can have a kind. You and know, you can talk freely. And even if you maybe say something that's not correct or inappropriate and whatever, would be, but from a place, if it comes from a place of ignorance, then all it takes is just educating that person. It doesn't, right. it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be an argument. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, so it, it's changed my perspective on a lot of things and it, it has, you know, like the death penalty, for example, like I was always sure. pro death penalty. I was, because again, on paper, it makes sense. You kill somebody, we'll kill you back. Fuck you. And then it's like, now I've like learned how the system works and I've seen the inside of the system and I'm like, the system's broken and the system gets it wrong and it doesn't get it wrong every time, but it gets it wrong enough that the punishment should never be something you can't take back. There's no reason for it. There's no benefit for it. At least Jesse Eldridge is still able to fight for his freedom. And mm-hmm. Ed Eights was able to get free, and Adnan's still in there fighting for his freedom, and Sandy Melgar is fighting for her freedom. You know, at least they have the opportunity to do that. But when you kill them, th- you can't take that back. And so many convictions have been overturned posthumously when you, they find out, like, oh, whoops, we got it wrong. But so, what was the fucking point? To, and right. it's amazing because I am so opposed to the death penalty now, and I was so Same. supportive of it. Eight years ago, and and, mm-hmm. and that just comes from so the it, it's changed me immensely uh, when it comes to my view on the criminal justice system, my view on and and I'm not and I'll tell you I'll tell you I, I I live in this perfect place where people from both sides of every argument are always mad at me uh, because coming mm-hmm. from where I came from and and seeing what and understanding what I know now has left me in this position of. Let's try to understand there's like a huge gray area here. I want to have a conversation. And so I'm always just as quickly as I'll correct somebody on this side, I'll correct somebody on that side or like give them a different perspective. And so everybody always thinks I'm on the other side, but I'm really kind of usually, you know, somewhere in the middle, in the middle of somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Politically. Oh, I love, I love playing devil's advocate. I think that, that, I mean, even if I don't agree with something, I'll, I'll play double or like if I don't agree with that point of view, I'll I'll be the devil's advocate because you know the best argument is one that can hold up against anything. So you know, yeah. might as well bring those counterpoints to to light. And 
you know. The big thing I've learned, like even like politically, like I, I'm, I'm most people know that I am very much independent. Like I, I despise both political parties. I've like I've I've yep. become enlightened enough to know that if you think you're you're if you're a Republican or a Democrat and you think 100%. that they're out fighting for you, they're not. Neither yep. side is. It's crooked and it's corrupt. But so what happens is when I'm talking to my conservative friends, they're like, oh, you're dumb liberal. And then I'm talking mm-hmm. to like, because I'll be like, no, that's dude. They're doing this, this and this. Like they're, they're bad folks. And then they're like, oh, you're, and then to my like liberal friends, I'll be like, no, they're not, they're fucking you too, because they're doing <laughs> this, this and this. And I'm like, oh, you're a Republican, but I'm neither one. Um, right. I, I just, I just want change. So. Um, I'll leave you with that is that, yeah, I have, I have changed immensely. And if, and if I had one wish, it would be that we would somehow learn to fucking talk to each other again. And, yes. and that's, that's a lot of what true crime binges too. It's a, it's a, it's a say, conversation. We, we have a lot of good discussions, I think, in our, in both groups and, um, a lot, you know, I think there's, there is a small few out there who are very adversarial and they're in their, in their discussions, but they're the loud ones. I think most of us are not that way. And the true crime space does, I see that a lot in the true crime world of, you know, people being a little more empathetic and a little more understanding of other point points of view, but you know, it definitely need, we need everybody to be thinking that way. Right. It will be nice. All right. Can I ask you one last question? It's a multiple choice. So it'll be fast. No stories. Just one last question. I'll, to try, to, I'll try to keep it to one most, multiple choice answer. <laughs> multiple choice answer. It's the most important question that I, Carl Kramer asks, Kramer asks, who wins in a boxing match? The captain or Jim Clemente? Multiple choice. Oh. Just pick one. That's tough. No uh, explanation. Well, see, I got to The thing is, <laughs> Captain's super fat and super weak, but he's got youth <laughs> on his side. <laughs> he's so mad. No, he won't. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> and and Jim, Jim is 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 feisty, and I generally consider him tough. And, tough, and and even tough. physically and mentally, definitely tougher than Captain. But he's but he's old as shit. Uh, <laughs> so I um <laughs> I gotta say Jim, that was <laughs> <laughs> if I if I had a pick I if I had to put my money down my money's my money's on Jim C. Yeah, my money's on Jim. Sorry, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> it's only because he's super fat and super weak. <laughs> well, that was Bob's reasons, not mine. I have other reasons I won't stay here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, by the way, love you, Captain, if you're listening to this. I'm yeah. going to be with Captain this, uh, right the week this airs. I'm going to, I'm going down to the Generation Y 10th anniversary, uh, oh, Bash yeah, are doing yeah, Kansas, Kansas City. City, right? And me and Nick and Fun. Captain are going to be on stage. We don't know what we're doing, but we're doing. Oh, one more question that. Oh, that was for the follow-up. Somebody asked that. It wasn't for this. What? I'll answer it here too, though. Someone want to know if Zach is going to Obsess Fest with me. Um, oh. And I am going to Obsess Fest in Columbus, Ohio. That's Patrick and Jillian's uh, True Crime Obsessed big festival. It's going to be a fun festival. Yes, Zach is coming with me. And we were doing something very unique. Uh, Patrick wanted this to be a fun True Crime festival. The captain. You mean the captain? Uh-huh. No, no you're talking about Patrick Hines. Yeah, Patrick Hines. That's my best. That's my best. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing like me and always giving his name away. I know. 
<laughs> because I just assumed you did it again. But <laughs> no. Patrick Hines. Nobody heard that. Wants Obsessed Fest to be a fun true crime festival. So I'm doing some serious stuff. I'm doing a, a West Memphis 3 panel with Jillian and Damien, I believe, is going to be on the panel with. It's going to oh. be. Um, but I'm also doing. True Crime Comedy Hour feat, uh, with Bob Ruff featuring Zach Weaver. It is an hour. It's an hour of stand-up comedy that Zach is opening for me for like ten minutes, and I'm and it's going to be the first of its kind. As far as I know, no one's ever done this before. But it's a full hour of stand-up about true crime. So that's oh, what Zach and I are going to be doing. My. You had us. told me to come to this like months ago, and I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, now I'm coming. Holy shit. Yeah, it's only like a two-hour drive for <laughs> An you. hour? Yeah, it's not far. Uh, no. Oh, my God. Uh, you have to do like a whole like a whole set. Like, yeah. that, like, like big-time prof- comedians don't have to put together that much. Like what comedy. professional comedians <laughs> do? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, they, they do like 45-minute sets, maybe, like the big ones. When I told Janet, Damn. who's a comedian and actress, when I told, yeah. when I told her I was doing this, she was like, so your big public debut is an hour? Yeah, that's that's a lot. We'll see how it goes. I've been t- so if you're it's gonna go great. if you're not a Truth great. and Justice patron, you should be because I test I I've been testing out my bits and material on Janet and Zach on the Have Patreon. You really? Just I slide them into conversation just to kind of test oh, them out and okay. see how they'll do. And I'm taking so that they don't even know they're unwitting uh, test. Janet knows testees. she sniffs it out every time. She's like, you <laughs> yeah. stop working out your bits on the podcast. <laughs> That's the thing though is that you usually do have to work that shit out on stage. So yep. <laughs> Yes, everybody at Obsessed Fest is going to be your guinea pig. <laughs> yep, yep. We'll see how it goes. I told Jillian she needs to sit in the front row and laugh at everything I say. Yeah. No, it'll go great. You'll be fine. Yeah. All right. And with that, uh, <laughs> we will go ahead and end end this nonsense. But uh, thank you all. I do want to, I mean, not only thank you to Erica for being such an amazing, you know, and, and Erica for a long time, you guys should know this, did this as, as a volunteer basis. I only recently finally started paying her a couple shekels. Yeah, I get beer money now. Yeah. (laughs) But she did all that work as as a volunteer for a long time. Uh, And you do an awesome job. And I want to thank all of you listeners. I really, really have fun doing uh, True Crime Binge. It's it's my favorite thing to do is talk to new people and meet new people and get new perspectives. And I get to do that because you guys are listening. So thank you guys for doing that. And thank you, Erica. Thank you. And here's to 100 more. I'm out of bourbon. Me too. (laughs) Hold on. From the bottle. Wait. Cheers. <laughs> to a hundred more. <laughs> ah, to so. a hundred more. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Bye, everybody. Seriously, Marlon's going to be black. Good night, Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, 
please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. Thank you so much for listening, and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.